The start of a new school year is a lot, especially in college. Turn that pile of coursework into great grades and stress-free weekends with Grammarly. Grammarly's digital writing assistant is a must-have for every college student. Its comprehensive writing suggestions help you avoid all those little mistakes that eat into your grade, so you can turn in your work with confidence. Best of all, it's free to use with all your favorite devices and apps. Need more advanced features? Upgrade to Grammarly Premium for clarity full-sentence rewrites that rephrase hard-to-read sentences, cutting down on jargon and making your essays as clear and impactful as possible. It even comes with built-in plagiarism detection. Just one more way Grammarly covers all the details that go into getting the best possible grade. Improve your grades with fewer all-nighters by using Grammarly. Sign up for your free account at Grammarly.com slash podcasts and get 20% off when you're ready to upgrade. That's Grammarly.com slash podcasts. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. This is how it's always been. I'm on the outside looking in. Welcome to Double Love, the podcast in which we explore the strange and terrifying world of Sweet Valley High, book by book. I'm Anna Carey. I'm Karen Moynihan. And this week, it is an all-time classic, one of my uh, my fondest Sweet Valley memories, which lives up to, to my fond uh, thoughts. It's The Stolen Diary. Oh man, this one was so fucking good. I don't think I'd ever oh. read this one before, you know, <gasps> and I was... Oh. I had a blast reading this. This is classic fucking top tier Sweet Valley. I feel like we're into a run of really good ones now. And like, yeah. this is definitely up there. Yeah. We've passed the slump. There was a slump yeah. for a while. <laughs> there was the randomers with the sports books. Oh, God. But we're back to full tilt towards Margo. <laughs> what more could you want? <laughs> So yeah, I had really fond memories of this one, as I said, and um, it's just it's just got so much. It's it's actually very well written. Like it's it's one of the the ones that's got some nice sort of character work. That mm. Enid is great in it. Oh, there's um, so many people in top form in this one. It's yeah. oh, it's so enjoyable. Yeah, uh, Jessica is like Jessica as we love her. Mm. Yes, she's love that. She's scheming. <laughs> she's clever. She sees through things. She's uh, just she's doing the right thing for Liz. She's a delight. Um, she's uh, she's she's Jessica being her best self because you know her best self is never going to be perfect. But, <laughs> <laughs> but this is it. She's not out to ruin anyone's life. And no. when she's in that kind of like protective sister mode, and she's she's being clever. She's scheming for good. Like. Mm. We love yes, to see yes. it and she really delivers in this one. And it's just a joy to read about Jess in this one, which, as you say, doesn't happen often. But when it does, it's fucking great. Oh, <laughs> it is. Um, so we will, as usual, dive right in with some taglines and blurbs. And can you give us the cover tagline? I sure can. Who is ruining Elizabeth's reputation? <gasps> well, I mean, there's no mystery about this, but we won't spoil it yet, listeners, because it's a <laughs> character that you have yet to meet. <gasps> Uh, the back tagline is another question, a two-question tagline. That's unusual. Um, and it is, will lies destroy Elizabeth's life? And, I mean, as usual, the answer is no on a mm. long-term basis. But on a short-term yes. basis, it's pretty bad. So, and some damage is done. Yeah, it's mm. true. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's literally for about 48 hours, but still. (laughs) (laughs) Well, can you give us the full blurb? I surely can. Okay. When Todd Wilkins decides that he and Elizabeth Wakefield should try dating other people, Elizabeth accepts a date with handsome Chris Lynch, only to realise that she'd rather be with Todd. Todd, too, realises that he has made a mistake. He still loves Elizabeth. But then rumours about Elizabeth begin to spread throughout Sweet Valley High. Can Jessica find out who's behind the gossip before it's too late? I mean, Todd realising he wants to be with Elizabeth happens very late after he's been an absolute prick for about three quarters of the book, if not more. Oh, very true. This fucking guy. Yeah, it's uh, it's not a great look for Todd in this one. He's like the one person who just makes an absolute show of themselves, really. A regular character, at least, who would just like, yes. oh, this fucking guy. <laughs> more of this shite from Todd. <laughs> not for the first or last time, listeners. Mm, very true. Well, the cover, I think, lives up to the blurb. Can you describe it? It's, a, it's oh, definitely a classic cover too. Look, with pleasure. This, again, great <laughs> book, great cover. We love when these things align. And uh, yeah, no, this is a fantastic one. So it's uh, it's a solo Jessica cover uh, reading Liz's diary. She looks really shocked. She's got her hand up to her face, looking very concerned. Um, she's wearing the most incredible ginormous purple blazer and I think this might be the same one that she wore on the cover of Rosa's Lie because that now, too was a voluminous oh. <laughs> purple blazer um, with big let, me, let me look at this more closely I've just got it in <laughs> black and white here um, let's see Sweet Valley High Stolen Diary now this is interesting that you went straight to thinking that it was Jessica shocked at what she was reading mm, because yeah. I have always assumed it's Liz shocked that somebody <gasps> seems to know what's going on because Ooh. when it says who is ruining Elizabeth's reputation I think my brain just went like that's Elizabeth looking really sad holding her diary <gasps> yes but it could be no. neither I honestly I read it as Jess I think the hair is more Jessica there's no barrettes Um, this purple blazer is very Jessica like this is not the type of jacket that Liz would wear I don't think true Um, true it is is very uh, dancing in the street (laughs) (laughs) you see that's how she rolls She's calling out around the world. Uh, She's ready for a brand new beat. Yes. And uh, (laughs) that's what happens. But yeah, the the diary is one of those lovely like um, composition notebooks as well. You know, the kind of black and white ones. I think that we saw the slam book was a similar type Mm, of thing. Yes. Um, And it does. uh, It's got a little property of Elizabeth Wakefield on the front. So, yeah, I mean, I can see how you'd probably at a glance think it's Liz, but I'm convinced this is Jessica for sure. (sighs) You've blown my mind. I think you, I think you, you must be, you must be right. Listeners, what did you think? Let us know. Hmm. It might be um, time for a poll on Insta again. Oh, oh yes, definitely. It's been a while since we've had it. It has been so a while, good. yes. Good idea. Um, well, it, it is a truly great cover, whichever mm. twin it might happen to be. <laughs> Either way, we love it. We do. And uh, we begin the book in the cafeteria where um, Enid is joking about uh, Elizabeth because Elizabeth's all distracted and Enid jokes that she must be missing her her other half. And Liz says, this, none of this really fits in with the last book because Liz says, ever since Stephen and Karen nearly eloped, I've been feeling like Todd and I are an old married couple. 
And uh, we get a recap of the last book, but she didn't really feel that. She was worried Todd felt that in the last book. That's true. Yeah, Todd was being very reasonable to the the whole concept of Stephen and Kara eloping and how ridiculous (laughs) that was. And then Liz was feeling kind of put out by his reaction. But yeah, she wasn't kind of the one feeling like, oh God, maybe we are too committed. Like that really wasn't her vibe at all in the last one. Yeah. No, we're told that Kara and Stephen's predicament had forced Elizabeth and Todd to examine their own relationship more closely. Did it? Uh, really? <laughs> um, well, Elizabeth jokes about her uh, and Todd's stick in the mud ways and says we're 16 and settled. And Enid says it's better than 16 and suffering. Poor Enid. Oh, no. Poor Enid. Yeah. Liz asks her what's wrong. And it, it she confesses that uh, that she's just really missing Hugh. Because, of course, Enid and Hugh Grayson used to date and he lives in Big Mesa. Mm-hmm. But um, they broke up a few books ago. But yeah, apparently she's dated a few other boys in the meantime. But she just hasn't liked any of them as much as she's liked Hugh. And she just really misses him and wants oh. kind of would love for them to get back together and doesn't really know what to do about it. Yeah. So um, Elizabeth is uh, is sympathetic and says, like, look, why don't you just talk to him? You know, because they didn't they sort of just broke up because of being in separate towns, really. Like, I don't know. Was it, was it the book with the granny turning up oh, that they broke up? I don't no, I think they might have like temporarily broken up and then made up at the end of that one. Oh, but there was yeah. some kind of like, it didn't really get much of um, an A or even B plot, I don't think, whenever they did oh, break up. It was kind of just Enid. in passing. Poor Enid, just like, yeah, they broke up, whatever, who cares? <laughs> well, they make up for lost time because she does got a lot to do in this one. And uh, Liz suggests just talking to him, but she can't bear the thought of being rejected. It would just be too much. And mm. uh, Liz suggests they should imagine what Jessica would do in the same situation if she wanted to let a boy you know like know that she was uh, around without actually saying something explicit um so the, the spark has been has been lit like Enid <laughs> is is considering the possibility of you know rekindling that old flame mm, yeah so at this stage lunch is over Todd still hasn't shown up Liz was kind of expecting him to um but uh she's uh Elizabeth doesn't really think much of it for now. Mm. <laughs> well, after school, Liz is waiting for Jessica, who's late as usual. We get the twin comparison quite late in the game, I think. Mm. And uh, Liz jokes about Jessica. When Jessica turns up, Liz jokes about her, you know, she must have been distracted by a boy. And she says, just because I'm going out with Sam doesn't mean I can't talk to any uh, to other boys. After all, I don't want to lose my touch. Fat chance <laughs> of that happening. And then says, what happens if Sam and I break up someday? I've heard of people who go for weeks without another date. <laughs> <laughs> she is gas and she does shiver in mock horror at what she's just said so she's not completely yeah. serious but you know true, you would true. also you could also not be blamed for taking that at face value at the same time <laughs> <laughs> she would have been fucked in my school like she would, <laughs> nobody went at dates one end of the year to the other when they were 16 <laughs> well um, Liz cunningly tells her she's writing a piece about like how to ask a boy out and uh, obviously it's cover for Enid and Jessica is happy to oblige and share her wisdom um because of course this is her favorite uh, subject well look she is the expert after all so i mean you know if you're ever going to wonder about what jessica would do this is the only context really where that's probably (laughs) a good move (laughs) useful information and also you know like she says like she she has to like keep her keep Keep a, her finger on the pulse of the mm. dating world. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to slipping. 
Well, here's the start of Todd being a dick in the next scene because we cut to the library where Liz and Todd have met for a study date. But Todd is really sort of distant and he's quiet and Liz is actually being kind of, you know, funny and nice and sort of joking around and uh, when they're going. But he's still really surly. Like she's asking him for, um, for you know, does he mind giving her a lift home? And he's like, I don't mind. She <laughs> says, oh, you know, you don't sound very enthusiastic. And he's just like, Yes. Mm. <laughs> and when she asks where he was at lunchtime, he just makes a feeble excuse. He's like, oh, I promise to help someone, to give someone some help with their maths homework. Hmm. 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 <laughs> That's it. Like, he, yeah, he's so surly and it's very TV, Todd, and very nice. <laughs> they're all it kind is, of teeing isn't up it? the yeah. minute, aren't they? But mm. um, yeah, and again, like Liz is all just kind of keeping it light and she's like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm glad you're such a good friend, but I missed you. My, my cheese sandwich doesn't taste the same when you're not there. Um, and Todd just kind of gets all sharp and narky with her, like like yes. very unreasonably. Um, and he's just like, oh, come on, Liz, you can eat lunch without me for one day, can't you? And she's obviously surprised at this reaction and kind of gets a bit defensive. Um, she's just like, you know, I just mean like we normally eat lunch together. And obviously it's not like, it's just something they generally do. It's not like yeah, they you know, yeah. make a plan. This is just kind of what their usual day is like. And obviously it was unusual for him not to be there. And yeah. he does and kind she just of made a joke. Like, like she just made it. a joke about like, oh, my sandwich doesn't taste the same without you. She yeah. wasn't going like, where were you, Todd? I'm it's starving not without you. True. Yeah, I couldn't eat my lunch without you. Like she's, <laughs> she's really just like, a, oh, you know, it wasn't the same. Like again, very light, like not making a big deal of it. Uh, but Todd just is like, yeah, if I want to do something else once in a while, I can. It's not like you own me or anything. Oh. We may go out together, but I'm still a free agent. And like, of uh, course, Liz is hearing this and kind of like, what the fuck is happening? Yes. Why is he reacting like this? She's like, this isn't like us at all. And she knows mm. that she's not p- a possessive person and that Todd knows that too. So she's just like, okay, what's going on here? Yeah. So when they arrive at the Wakefield house, she basically says, look, I don't really understand where this has come from. What is going on? And Todd uh, is like, well, don't, I don't have to ask you permission if I feel like doing something w- without you. And she's like, uh, yeah, cool, okay, whatever. <laughs> and then says, if you're feeling so smothered by me, maybe we shouldn't see quite so much of each other for a while. And of course she expects him to go, okay, sorry, no, I don't know what I'm, doing like yeah um you know she she's she's just kind of setting him straight like this is ridiculous but Hmm. he goes maybe you're right oh man i like this is so lousy like and it is kind of coming out of nowhere from todd Uh, totally nowhere and of course she's completely shocked uh when he says this yeah because he's like maybe we need a little breather from each other (gasps) and liz is just like she's too shocked to answer and then todd's like you know not just for me he goes, yeah, ever since Justin Silver, I've had the feeling I was cramping your style. And it's just like, what the fuck is this? Because like Justin Silver was like the bowling guy from like two or three books ago. Was it like Kidnapped by the Cult maybe was the one where she got really into bowling? I can't remember. But um, It was, but yes. Just like this random name he's after pulling out of nowhere. Um, and they kind of very quickly just recap the fact that Justin had this mad crush on Liz. Um, and she kind of, you know, she was attracted to him, but didn't encourage him. Um 
and uh, then kind of thinks to herself, oh, Jesus, maybe I should have just gone out with that guy if, if this is the way things are going to be working out. Um, so, yeah, she's kind of, again, just completely bamboozled by all of this. Um, and uh, she's like, OK, I don't know what's happening. But uh, yeah. Todd's like, you know, I bet you're sorry now that you didn't go out with that guy, Justin. Um, so Liz is just like, OK, well, yeah, maybe I am. Uh, yeah. But like, like she's obviously not happy about this. No. Um, but She's not driving of, any of this conversation. No, it's all taught. Yes, very much so. Um, yeah, so he he kind of, he then says to her, look, you know, I, I don't want to break up with you, but we're so young. I think we just need a little more freedom uh, just to find out who we are. Maybe even, you know, start seeing other people. So like, it's just so obvious that uh, Todd has somebody else lined up here, like, because yes. where else would this be coming from, you know? And he does, he does. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, uh, he's been given that maths tutoring at lunchtime. This is it. That was not for nothing. <laughs> mm. So yeah, then he says... You know, I'm sure we'd both like the option, but of course, we'll still be friends. Nothing's <laughs> going to change that. I would want to slap him. Like, oh. what? Like, what is this like? Because it clearly is them breaking up, even though he's like, no, we're just oh. taking a break. Uh, we'll still be friends. Like, fucking will we? Why would we be? <laughs> what is this? Why are you treating me like this? <sighs> so she pushes the car door open with a monumental effort and said, says, of course, we'll still be friends. Though, as in the last book where Stephen got like a huge sense of perspective literally 30 seconds after saying (laughs) goodbye to the so-called love of his life, just like, I'll get over this. Uh, (laughs) That night, Liz writes in her journal and and the release of her feelings makes her feel better. She can see that it wasn't the end of the world, which I just don't (laughs) buy this. Like she writes, it was a change, but change isn't necessarily a bad thing. What? Oh, God. Yeah. And she's kind of thinking then that, you know, didn't it upset her every time Jessica suggested that Liz and Todd were boring and dull? So she's like, you know, maybe this is for the best. And it's very kind of like she's just in denial or something. Yes, it's the only excuse for it. Hmm. Um, But uh, then Jessica bursts in and not for the last time in this book, we're just going to have to just skim over all these spiels because (laughs) she just keeps going on about how the car keeps breaking down. The Fiat Spider is on the end, on the the at the end of its tether, it's uh, it's it keeps um, like it's got all these faults. It keeps breaking down when people when they're out driving somewhere, and mm. Jessica wants a new car. That has summed yeah. up the entire B plot of this book. Oh, pr- yes, exactly. Yeah, it is just Jess giving out about the the Fiat and the noises it's making and all the rest and how much she wants a Jeep. So you know things are really going to get interesting once that Jeep is on the scene because oh. we all know how that ends up. <laughs> uh, the Jeep of death. <laughs> it's just one death trap to another. <laughs> <laughs> Different sort of death trap, though. Um, hmm. So yeah, the Jeep will be on the scene soon. In fact, if I remember right, it does turn up in the next book. But oh, um, yeah. yeah, we can very much skim over Jessica's extremely detailed well, they're quite amusing <laughs> as they go but really we do not have the time to I mean, this is going to be long enough we don't have time to detail her <laughs> her issues with the views <laughs> yeah. yes so yes only we need to know was that a cute boy helped her when it had broke down at the side of the road but that was just a one off the last time it was a middle aged woman in a Ford oh no <laughs> the humanity <laughs> Well, after babbling on about the Jeep for, I am not joking, about three pages, um, (laughs) Jessica finally notices that Liz is upset and Liz tells her about the trial separation and claims it was mutual and Jessica says, oh, sure, mutual. 
<laughs> yeah, Jessica sees through this immediately and, and just asks outright, like, Todd's not interested in somebody else, is he? And Liz doesn't take that very well. And she's like, no, of course not. You know, we did talk about maybe eventually seeing other people, but there isn't anyone now. We just need a break from each other. That's all. Um, but Jessica, like, yeah, she's not buying it at all. But uh, yeah. but she does kind of think, well, you know, kind of makes the best of it. And is like, look, this, this could be the best thing that's ever happened. You know, it'll give you a chance to make new friends and do new things. And she is in like good sister mode because she's like, look, I'm going to make sure that you have so much to do and so much fun. You're not even going to notice yeah. that Todd isn't around. So she's, uh, yes. she is, she's, she's doing her best here. <laughs> it's lovely. She is. Yes. It's in her way. She's helping. Mm. It's, yeah. Um, so the next morning, uh, the twins arrive at school. Jessica is still banging on about the unreliability of the Fiat Spider. <laughs> and Liz is fed up with hearing it because apparently she's been badgering Ned and Alice about this for quite some time. And uh, Liz is like, oh, maybe, or Jessica is like, maybe I should be more subtle. And Elizabeth, <laughs> Elizabeth tells her, well, the thing you should be subtle about is me and Todd because I do not want... She said Lila and Caroline. So we're told that like Lila and Caroline are sort of on equal levels of gossip mongerness, but I don't think that really like Lila's not necessarily sort of above such things. Yeah, like Lila will gossip to an extent, but like Caroline is the the Sweet Valley hotline. Like she's the one that exactly, gets it all over yeah. ten. Yeah. So it just seems odd that they're sort of put together mm. as if like, you know, those two. Yeah, but they're also nearly yeah, they need to make a duo out of them where like Caroline is in this book in a kind of a funny way and that she kind of hangs out with Jess and Lila at lunch yeah. and stuff, which isn't really the usual uh, gist with her, I feel like anyway, or just, yeah, it's, it's a little bit strange how kind of pally Caroline seems with Jessica's gang in this book, because that isn't usually the case. Yes. Uh, well, yeah, and she's, I think they had a bit of that in the last book, didn't they? Didn't she, didn't she turn up hanging out, having lunch with them? Which, considering they oh, bullied her in the past, did seem a mm. bit unconvincing. But <laughs> anyway, Jessica feigns outrage at the thought she would spread word about this and uh, says her lips are sealed. So Enid is stunned when she hears the news about Todd and Liz, but uh, she sort of goes along with Elizabeth's like, it's fine. It's fine. It's just like <laughs> the closest couples take a little break from time to time. And uh, Lena says, oh, you know, maybe if me and Todd had been, or me and Hugh had been so sensible, we might still be together. <gasps> so Liz spends the, say, the day bracing herself for seeing um, Todd again. But uh, she um, it seems like every boy in the cafeteria is there except for Todd. Of course, Ken is there, so he wouldn't have needed any Todd friend. Forget Todd, seriously. Why is she not sitting on Ken's lap right now? (laughs) (laughs) Don't do that to Terry. Oh yeah, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) I might remember, Karen, that Ken does end up with Olivia, known for her arty design skills, so maybe you are his type after all. Do you know what? It's meant to be. <laughs> Terry well, was just a distraction. <laughs> well, she was a statistician like yourself, so all your bases are covered in Tim Kent. You'd be like his dream girl. It's it. I'm the combination of all his girls. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, apparently Jessica did come up with some advice for indirectly for Enid, and it was one of them was to remind the boy that you exist. You know, just sort of make him pop up basically around him but yeah. Enid points out that one of the reasons they broke up was because they live in separate towns and they never would randomly bump into each other um, mm. you know the only reason that Hugh ever came to Sweet Valley was to see her and 
Elizabeth says patiently, what would Jessica Wakefield do in this situation? She just <laughs> thought for half a second, she'd go to Big Mesa. It's a plan. <laughs> Hooray. <laughs> and again, literally the only time that it's a good idea to do what Jessica Wakefield would do. True. Well, meanwhile, Jessica and co, including Caroline, who's suddenly part of the gang, as Ooh. we said, are yeah. discussing an upcoming dance. And then Caroline and Lila exchange glances. Even that sort of conspiratorial thing between them does not ring true. It's one of the only yeah. things that doesn't in this excellent book. And yeah. they launch into some questions about Elizabeth and Todd and the state of their union. <gasps> <laughs> yeah, this is it, because Jess has been kind of waiting for someone to mention something, uh, I suppose, because it's probably quite obvious that Liz and Todd, you know, if they're not hanging off each other like they always are normally, that something might be up. Um, yeah, so is, is yeah, Caroline turns to Jess and she's like, oh, I must say you've been very quiet about what's going on between your sister and Todd. Um, and Liz kind of, or Jessica tries to just play it off. And she's like, oh, come on, you know, as well as I do, there's never anything going on between Liz and Todd. Um, but again, then Lila's like, oh, that's not what I heard. Um, and uh, yeah, they're all very conspiratorial. And Lila tells Amy, because Amy has no idea what's going on. She's like, what? What's happening? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but Lila reminds Amy about um, Todd playing volleyball with that <gasps> girl on the beach that time. And they remember this was Peggy Abbott, who was also at Cara's going away party. Um, yeah, why? <laughs> Why she turn up there? They barely know who she is. No, who invited her? Um, but yeah, Caroline then explains that apparently Todd and Liz have split up, and Peggy Abbott is the reason. Lila says, "Oh, sorry." Caroline says, "Apparently, Todd's tired of blondes." Oh my god! <laughs> so uh, Amy's shocked. Lila keeps taking the piss out of Liz in a way that you know it's quite amusing, but like not on in front of her sister. That's true, but it's very entertaining. <laughs> it is. Because um, Caroline says that th this Peggy person has been after Todd for quite some time and has been following him around and badgering him to give her some special tutoring and maths. And uh, Jessica shuts this down and says, well, Todd isn't interested. And Caroline's like, well, he's off tutoring her right now, if you know what I mean. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jessica's angry, angry with all of them and says, well, if Todd is anywhere nearer, he's clearly on the rebound. Then Lila jibes about Liz having to find a look around to find a boy dull enough for her, which is a bit mean. Oh, it is, but it's very funny. Uh, yeah, because uh, Jess points out that if, if Liz wants to see, start seeing other boys, all she has to do is snap her fingers. Well, she'd better snap them pretty loudly, Lila laughed. Considering her taste in men, any boy she'd be interested in will probably be asleep. <laughs> oh, but, you know, fair point. <laughs> It's so I know it's kind of, it's mean because it's in front of Jess, but like Lila is on fire in this whole yeah. thing. <laughs> Not a word of a lie. Yeah. Well, later a worried Jessica uh, gets Liz alone and breaks the news about you know Todd and like everybody's talking about Todd and Peggy, but Liz just dismisses it as idle gossip. But she's clearly putting on a front. So Jessica, like Jessica's quite sensitive in this book. She doesn't push it because she knows like Liz isn't willing to hear. Hmm. So. Instead, she thinks that she, she invites uh, Liz out to the pictures on Thursday night. And Liz initially says that she has, uh, she's too busy and she has too much work to do. Jessica's like, I'm not going to let you bury yourself in your books. I'm getting you back out in the scene. Such as oh, and yeah. She is right. And it's, it's insightful for Jessica because she does, she knows her sister and she's like, you know, I'm not going to let her just yeah use work as a substitute for a life. Uh, and she's going to try and just get her out there and enjoying herself, which is, yeah. which is very sweet of her. It is. 
So a couple of days later, Alice remarks how, on how long it is since they've seen Todd around the house. And Je- Jessica thinks Alice is, astu- is very, very astute because just two days without seeing Todd's BMW in the driveway or his lean body on one of the kitchen <laughs> chairs. And already she knew something was up. <laughs> I was kind of surprised by that actually it was kind of a slightly yeah. horny way for Jess to be thinking <laughs> about Todd wasn't it yeah, was. <laughs> his lean body <laughs> oh okay <laughs> what's going on there <laughs> well Elizabeth makes sort of stammers out an excuse that the you know oh we're just both very busy and uh, Jessica uses her car obsession for good by changing the subject and banging on about the Fiat and how much she wants cheap mm. So later, uh, Edith and Elizabeth uh, head out to put the plan into action. They're going to track down Hugh. Yes. Uh, so they're heading out. Uh, they're driving out to Moon Beach uh, to initiate phase one of Operation Hugh Grayson uh, because he's an avid cyclist, apparently, and does a lot of um, bicycling around the coast and around that area. So they reckon they'll just go for a spin along the, the coast road. And if they don't see him, they'll stop in at the Moon Beach Cafe, which uh, we love because we do. I, honestly, I'm so satisfied by that being in the TV show now <laughs> that I know, know it's such a random reference from the books. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> so they reckon that's probably a good uh, a good place to maybe just drop in casually and uh, potentially see him. Yes, uh, but Enid is is freaking out. She's just uh, she does. Uh, <laughs> I know I should have gotten my hair cut last week. It looks like a bad wig, and then she's worried <laughs> that her nose makes her look like an owl. Oh. <laughs> Poor Enid. And she's uh, really just kind of freaking out at the thoughts of seeing you again and just not being ready. But oh. you know, yeah, they she she's just just rip off the the plaster and, and do yes. this thing. So they arrive at the moon beach and who should be there but Hugh? Yeah, it was perfect timing. He's there. I think is he locking up his bike or something just outside? Yeah. Uh, and it, it all plays out very naturally. And uh, he's like, oh my God, Enid, Liz, uh, I don't believe it. What are you two doing here? And Liz very smoothly just explains, oh, you know, the car has been acting up. So we thought we'd just take it out for a good run. Um, so he, yeah, she kind of says, oh, yeah, we're going to go for, go inside for a milkshake or something or a soda. She's like, well, yes. you join us, Hugh. And Hugh kind of glances at Enid and he's like, oh, uh, I don't know. I suppose he's, you know, didn't want to assume that Enid wants to hang out with him. Mm. Um, but then Enid encourages him. She's like, oh, you know, I bet you're thirsty. So he laughs and they all go in together. And yeah, yeah. Uh, look, phase one is going great. It really is, because later when they sort of, uh, they, they, you know, discuss the day's events. It turns out that Enid and you got on like old times. It mm. went amazingly. Uh, like it's just a really happy ending uh, or happy beginning. Sorry, yes, to the yes. to the quest. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Liz says that the next stop it, step is to you know is to call him, but Enid mm-hmm. says that's just too much. Uh, but Liz has a suggestion about how she can make it sound quite natural. Yeah, she says that, look, Jessica would think of some brilliant excuse for calling him up. Uh, so Ina tries to think of what that could be. And then Liz is like, oh, I've got it. You could tell him you think that you lost an earring in the cafe uh, and ask him to ask about it next time he's in there. But Ina isn't uh, convinced. She's like, oh, God, I don't know. What if he figures out what I'm doing? Um, and Liz reassures her and she's like, he probably won't. Jessica says that boys don't think like that. And anyway, if he does, he'll be flattered. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, so if it like if it works, it works. And yeah, absolutely. So good for them. I mean, they're they're being proactive, um, and uh, they're they're just discussing this scheme. But who, when, who should, who <gasps> should they see getting oh, into God. a car nearby? 
This is it. Uh, Liz spots uh, Todd's car and they're getting <sighs> into it is Todd and a pretty dark haired girl she vaguely recognised and they're both laughing and Enid's like, oh, what's she doing with Todd? Um, and Liz is kind of trying to play it cool. She's like, oh, she's probably just, you know, in one of his classes and he's giving her a lift home or something. Um, and Enid's like, oh, I know her face. Like, I just can't remember her name. And uh, <laughs> Liz like accelerates so <laughs> suddenly in the car that Enid bounces back against her seat and Liz is like, it's Peggy. <laughs> Peggy love, from the beach. <laughs> I love that bit. <laughs> uh, Liz is quite relatable a lot. I mean, apart from her, like that moment where she's like, it's going to be fine. She's actually mm. feels quite like a real teenager in this book. Yeah, um, which definitely. Doesn't always. But um, yeah, when she's home, she she agrees to go. Remember, Jessica asked her to go to the, the, the movies a few days ago. Mm. And she was like, no, I'm too busy now. She's like, fuck that. I might as well. But when they're getting ready, uh, Liz bursts into Jessica's room. She's freaking out because she's lost something precious. <gasps> yeah, she can't find her journal anywhere. She's looked everywhere, can't find it. Uh, and Jessica's like, well, where do you usually keep it? Like in your dresser, under your pillow? And Liz is like, in my bag. <laughs> and Jessica, like quite rightly, is amazed. And she's like, you carry your journal around with you in your bag. What are you doing? She's like, you take it to school, to the mall, and shakes her head in disbelief. Um, and Liz kind of says, oh, you know, sometimes it's just so much to write about and I, I can't get it all done at night and I hate to get behind. So I just, you know, I bring it with me in case I get a chance to write in it during the day. And Jessica's like, you're crazy crazy why would you do that what happens if you lose your bag and some stranger reads it all um and Liz is like oh you know with a pointed glance around the mess of Jessica's room I'm not going to lose it I take care of my things uh, and Jessica quite rightly says well you know the point is you have lost it so <laughs> so now what <laughs> I am entirely on Jessica's side as somebody who did write in a diary uh, hmm. now in, in just in moment in more moments of sort of angst and like Liz just yes. seems to like write any old shite in it but uh, for yeah. me it was when something more dramatic happened but I would no more have taken it with me out of oh the house oh my god Jesus it Christ was like no <laughs> in my in my work I still have all my diaries and that's because I didn't take them out of the house <laughs> they do not leave the perimeter of the house or your bedroom even Jesus the thoughts yeah. of like your teenage diary and as a teen oh. currently writing in it being anywhere oh. other than like locked away somewhere like I'd be sick I would sooner set myself on fire than bring it around with me to school in my bag like. oh my god I know I don't think like literally the only times my diaries have been moved is when I have moved house and yeah. they are in you're the one doing the box. moving yeah. yes. <laughs> don't touch that leave it alone yeah, oh, I did take my diary to America with me and, and to Berlin with me on my J1 and my um and when I went oh, to yeah. Berlin for the summer in college okay. but I think that's different because you you I wasn't taking them out and about like I was yes, packing exactly. them and taking them to hmm. another country for months and then yes. coming back no, again that's, but that's reasonable but yeah as you say it's not like you were <laughs> throwing it into your bag and bringing it to work like or to the oh, shop or anything like that Jesus <laughs> I actually felt stressed out reading every time she talked about this it stressed me out um, anyway she remembers that she had it in the library earlier and she put it in the pocket of her jacket how big are the pockets I don't know does she just like roll it up and stuff it into a pocket maybe she does wear giant blazers with giant pockets actually and this is vindication for your theory she needs all those giant pockets to stuff journals into them (laughs) you were right all along it is Elizabeth there we go vindicated (laughs) 
Well, the next morning, uh, Elizabeth is in a good mood until Ted, and they're talking about the film, going to the pictures the night before, until Ned asks what Todd and Sam thought about the film. And Liz is all like, oh, Todd couldn't make it because she's not ready to tell Ned and Alice mm. about the separation. And uh, Jess throws in another pointed remark about the car before hurrying <laughs> after it. <laughs> and at school, Enid wishes that she'd joined them last night. And this says, yeah, Jessica and Sam's friends are really nice. Who are they? What, what, who is she talking about? This is like what you, you know, how you would refer to your friends' friends. Like, <laughs> you know, oh, it's so-and-so's friends from work or so-and-so's, you know, uh, friends from college who I've never met before. Like, not your sister who you see every single day and who you share a social <laughs> scene with. I know. Well, this is the thing. Unless it's literally like Sam's dirt bike friends or something. Because yeah. I suppose then maybe Liz wouldn't have had that much cause to hang out with them before. So maybe that's referring, what it was. Mm, but referring to them as Jessica and yeah. Sam's friends. True. I don't know. It just seems... Yeah. A little strange. Uh, it does. But um, anyway, she she would have had fun, but she kept thinking about Todd and Peggy. And um, she chi- distracts herself by chiding uh, Edith for not calling Hugh. And Edith says she's changed her mind. She's going to become a nun. <laughs> yeah, Elizabeth points out that she's not Catholic. She's like, you can't become a nun. Yes, I can, Edith said as she strode through the door. I'll convert. <laughs> <laughs> well, she'll be the only non-wasp in Sweet Valley then. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> well, we do meet a non-wasp in this book. And of course, he's, uh, he's kind of a body. Oh God, typical. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jessica uh, is dreads be- going home and being trapped by Alice, the mother of a million questions about Todd and Liz. So <laughs> she decides that the best uh, defence to avoid Alice asking too much about Liz's situation is a strong offence. And she mm-hmm. marches in ranting about how much she needs the car or how much she wants a black, rather, how much she just really wants a black Jeep with a purple trim. And she is <laughs> brilliantly OTT in this scene. Oh God, that's true actually. Do you know, I didn't even read it that way, but now that you say it, yeah, that's very true. Uh, It is quite funny that she comes in expecting Alice to try and corner her to ask her about Liz, but just immediately launches into this like tirade. She doesn't even (laughs) say hello to her. (laughs) It's very funny. (laughs) At one stage she says, I know you're not really interested in appearances, but can you really say that it doesn't bother you to have your two beautiful daughters driving around in an old, broken-down car? Just think about it, Mom. It's practically a crime. It's like having this really fantastic dress and then wearing it to do the gardening. Can't you just imagine how great we'd look in a black Jeep with tinted windows and purple trim? Oh, my God. That does sound like a hell of a Jeep. <laughs> it does. Tinted windows. Like. But Alice isn't distracted. She just wants to know what's up with Liz and Todd. She sees through this uh, bluff. Yes. Mm. So we cut to Edith's gaff where she's trying to pluck up the courage to ring Hugh and it's actually really sweet because she's written a script. Like she's literally written a script and it's really clunky and awkward. Oh, she, it's quite endearing. It's so cute. Honestly, I found this whole scene so relatable for Edith because yes. it's just... Oh God, like the fear of having to ring someone like it's bad enough. But then of course, you know, you're ringing their house and like their mother could pick up and then you have to try and ask oh. for the person. It's like, oh God, why? <laughs> yeah, she's like, she's like rehearsing her little spiel that she's going to give about the earring. And uh, she's like, oh, you know, it's okay. But it's, yeah, she thinks of Jessica again and she's like, oh no, doubt Jessica would come up with something amusing and interesting and brilliant and decides that her little script is terrible, uh, throws it in the bin, uh, <laughs> tries to practice in front of a mirror. And she says, she's 
saying like, hi, Hugh, she said in a bright, high voice she didn't recognize. So I can just picture her like squeaking out this yeah. like, attempt at a casual chat. Um, it's it's so funny and so it's so cute. But she realizes at, at some point that her mother is going to be home any minute and she'll never manage to to make the call with her mom around. So she uh, she uh, with a trembling finger, she punches <gasps> in the number and uh, she's like, OK, just be calm, just be cool. Yeah. And then uh, she recognizes Mrs. Grayson's voice um, when the other side pick up and then uh, realizes that it's um, the answering machine that yes. has picked up. So she's like, oh, amazing. This is great. Don't have to talk to you. Can just leave a message and then proceeds to leave. A completely ridiculous <laughs> message, which I just found so funny. She's just like, yeah, the, the machine beeps and she's like, hello, said Enid. This is Enid. Enid Rollins. I'm calling for you. I can't find one of my earrings. I mean, I think maybe I lost one of my earrings the other day in the cafe. I mean, maybe I dropped it somewhere else, but I could have dropped it in the cafe. Anyway, if you ever go into the cafe oh. again, I mean, don't go special here. And, <laughs> but if you do go in there, could you see if they found my earring? Thank you. I'm sorry to bother you. This is Enid. Bye. <laughs> That's I was just amazing. like, that is literally me having to leave an unexpected voicemail every yes. time. I just start babbling, and then as soon as I hang up, I'm just like, well, that sounded fucking insane. Like, oh. <laughs> was not ready for that at all. And I just found that so adorable for me because <laughs> oh. I was just like, yeah, same girl, honestly. <laughs> Absolutely, me too. I was just, <laughs> I, I, I cannot describe how much I. Uh, <laughs> I'm related to this. <laughs> Truly, it's just, oh, I love it when they're being relatable teens and this yeah. one really just hits it. It's so good. <laughs> it does. And then uh, not long afterwards, the phone rings and she assumes it's Liz and she's opening a solid bo- a dressing bottle and she grunts, hello? <laughs> <laughs> and it's you! And she dra- oh, the salad dressing splashes all over the place because she has smashed oh. that bottle. God, that's it. As soon as she realizes it's Hugh, she literally yelps and the, the dressing goes all over the floor. And I was just like, oh, I know. Oh, I love it. It's very cute. Well, the next day begins, frankly, terrifyingly for Liz. Oh we're told that the first thing she sees when she opens her eyes was her sister. Jessica was kneeling at the foot of Elizabeth's bed. I like at this point oh, in my notes, I just my notes just say Jessica sounds like a sleep paralysis demon here. <laughs> oh, God, the stuff of nightmares indeed. Honestly. Well, she announces she's taking Liz to the mall and they head off with Jessica singing, A shopping we will go, a shopping we will go, cash out the credit cards, a shopping we will go. <laughs> she's in office- tremendous form oh my god so it's kind of the opposite of Omar singing a hunt- whistling a hunting we will go in the world <laughs> it's very true different. same song very different vibe mm, very much so so, so uh, Jessica wants to fix Liz up for, with a friend of Sam's for the big dance that's taking place this week but Liz shuts this down and uh, we're told she doesn't say this to Jessica but she's secretly hoping Todd will come to his senses and ask her to the dance mm. and Jessica admits that Alice forced her to reveal all and Liz can't really blame her because, you know, she knew Alice, Alice was going to notice something was up. She was going to figure it out. And in fairness to Jessica, she was actually quite good at trying to keep a secret in this one compared to the last book where she was yes. just comically terrible at keeping a secret. But it seems like when it's something <laughs> genuinely important to Liz, she actually did do her best in fairness to her. 
true. She really did. So, you mm. know, fair play to her. Yeah. Um, so we cut to Monday when Elizabeth's in a good mood because not only had she survived her first toddless weekend, but uh, she'd had a whale of a time because... Um. <laughs> <laughs> she'd, she'd forgotten how much attention the twins could attract when they're out on the town. Oh my goodness. I mean, she had a great time, but honestly, this sounds horrible. Oh. <laughs> um, so yeah, she, um, what was it? The, yeah, they'd been to a barbecue on the Saturday night, uh, but uh, her and Jess went to the beach on Sunday. Uh, and there yes. were so many guys crowding around them that Jessica had joked that they were in more shade than if they'd brought an umbrella. And like, I'm sorry, but that just sounds like a terrible time at the beach, just being hounded by a bunch of lads. Like, get away from Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. I would, uh, I mean, she does then think uh, being 16, pretty and unattached had its advantages. I mean, uh, to be honest, in, you know, looking back, I think being 16, kind of average and unattached was, in this sense, probably better. Because <laughs> you can squib up if you have to, but you didn't have to, like, you weren't fighting boys off with a <laughs> stick. True, yeah. I mean, that just sounds intimidating, being cornered or, like, surrounded by a bunch of guys at the beach. It's like, oh, God, no. I don't like this at all. <laughs> but look, she's, she's enjoying herself and uh, flattered yeah. by the attention. So, you know what, I guess, I guess good for her. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, she struts into school and... Uh, she, you know, suddenly everybody's checking her out, even the people you'd think you used to her by now, in fairness. True. Yeah, she's old news in Sweet Valley High. And yeah. yeah, here we are. <laughs> well, she's a Wakefield, I suppose. Maybe they're just mm. blinded by her, her Wakefieldian radiance. Um, but she sees somebody checking her out. A tall, lanky boy with short, sandy hair and round, steel-rimmed glasses. Hmm. Yeah, mm. she it's like she was definitely being watched, and apparently this right. isn't creepy. But <laughs> but yeah, it's like a, she kind of looks in his direction and notices that uh, his his good looks were quiet but intense, and uh, she remembers that she'd noticed him before, and he was oh, mentioned yeah. in the last book uh, at the Dairy Burger um, when she met Kara. That there was this guy kind of like had very obviously like checked her out as she walked by. Um, and it's like, without really meaning to, she found herself smiling back. What is wrong with you? She scolded herself. You can't go around encouraging strange boys. Ah, <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Very weird. But uh, uh, yeah, she's saved uh, by the uh, appearance of Enid racing towards her. Uh, who, has, uh, who has some news for her to fill her in on, on the goings on of Operation yes. Hugh Grayson. <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, she uh, she says that Hugh said that he found her... her earring uh, but Liz doesn't give a shit because she's thinking of the mystery boy we're told he's a senior who belongs to a crowd of slightly offbeat artistic types she had an image of him sitting on the lawn sketching on a notebook but what was his name I mean I have to say in this those two sentences make him sound more attractive than most boys in Speed Valley High <laughs> very true <laughs> Um, but Edith has to practically shake her to remind her because she's just sort of going oh uh oh okay uh, that she didn't lose an earring so the fact that Hugh has somehow found one that wants to you know return to her must be fate yeah Edith's really excited and yeah Liz isn't really listening to her Um, it's a bit lousy to be honest because she was up to now quite invested in this whole Hugh plan but um, yeah she's distracted uh, by some random boy who she doesn't know this is it, yeah. Um, but yeah, Liz just says, "Oh, you know, it must be a, a coincidence." Um, and yeah, she's like, "Look, yeah, it must be fate that you're uh, that you're to get back together." But um, yeah, so Enid has arranged uh, to meet him after school. 
but her mother, I think, has the car. She has to go to Cold Springs after work. So Liz is like, oh, look, it's fine. You can borrow the Fiat to, to go meet Hugh. So that's getting her out of that jam. Yes. Uh, so, uh, yeah, she's, um, she's, well, getting out of the jam for now. So mm-hmm. later, she's, she's happy for, uh, for Enid and she's thinking how great Enid is. You know, she's so funny and nice. And actually, Enid is very likable in this book. Like when Enid gets it, the rare chances where somebody writes mm. Enid well, she's, yeah. um, she's, uh, delightful. But, um, Elizabeth is, we're told, so busy recounting all of Enid's many fine qualities uh, that she doesn't notice when someone jumps out of her from outside a staircase. <laughs> this is it. And then, like, this whole encounter is played as if they just bumped into each other because neither was looking where they were going. But, like, I went back and checked and it literally says he jumped out at her from beside a staircase. Like, I'm sorry. What the fuck? This guy is terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Yes. Jesus. <laughs> well, um, she uh, she they, she's all flustered, and it's a classic sort of. They drop everything and start, you know, trying to pick things mm. up. And uh, while they're doing this, she remembers his name. It's Chris Lynch. Oh Can't trust goodness. the Irish. Can't trust the Irish. <laughs> Shifty Irishman. <laughs> they're always <laughs> jumping out from behind things. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're told that uh, the Oracle, he, he does cartoons and the Oracle wants them every so often. Well, I was told he always did the poster for the school play. And I think we have had whole stories about people. Ran- what was that boy, Jade Wu, the, the one who was the, oh, the one who should have was- read Orientalism. He was uh, <laughs> he was supposedly like the backdrop poster king. That's right. Yeah, yeah, for like her dance recital or something, wasn't it? Yes. And he was making her like this the whole star of the, the poster. That was that was a he whole was. fucking plot point was yeah. his fucking poster. Yeah, Jesus. Well, probably Chris <laughs> has been waiting in the wings, so to speak. And apparently Olivia is a big fan. She never got tired of praising his work. And mm. behind his glasses, his eyes were an amazingly dark, deep blue. <gasps> mm. Yes, he has a very intense stare, apparently. Uh, and then he just stares at her for a second and then he's like oh do you want to go to the dance with me and she's understandably just like what the fuck what, what is happening here yeah because it is he just kind of blurted out uh, yeah and she's like she knew he'd been watching her but any normal boy would introduce himself chat maybe get to know her a little bit before trying to make a date so she's kind of kind of blindsided by this uh, and is like yeah she wasn't his type she told herself he wasn't her type um, but then she's like well you know what about Todd she couldn't go to the dance with someone else because she's still kind of holding on to this hope that Todd might still ask her so she kind of yes. just says to him oh I uh, I don't really know what my plans are yet um, like his expression didn't change like I'm frightened of Chris <laughs> <I know. laughs> and uh, she's kind of like waiting for him to just go oh yeah sure but instead he hands her a small square of paper with a pen and ink caricature of himself with some numbers written below it. Uh, apparently the drawing is so clever that Liz had to smile and it's his phone number and he just says, look, maybe you can call me when you find out what you are doing. And it's like, okay, fine. But like the way he was acting right up until that point yes. was kind of disconcerting to be fair. Yes, because that bit is actually, okay, that's smooth. That's quite mm. good. But everything before that was just like, I will stare at you. And then suddenly <laughs> I'm like, want to go to the dance girl I've never talked to before but I've been staring at? Jesus Christ. Like he didn't even tell her his name. Like it's weird. Yes. <laughs> well, later uh, Enid tells Liz she thinks she should give it a go. She says she knows that uh, Chris is a little different and doesn't talk much, but so what? <laughs> he really is a fantastic artist, and a lot of girls think he's very attractive. <laughs> um, 
But uh, Liz is like, I don't know. And then later on, she is thinks how lucky she is not to have given in to Chris Lynch's deep blue eyes because Todd pops up and says he wants to talk to her. And then no. he is just <laughs> such an irredeemable prick. Jesus. Uh, yeah, he at first they're kind of like, oh, you know, how are you? I haven't seen you in a while. Oh, I've been busy. Yeah, so have I. And uh, he kind of says, Liz, I don't know how to. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about the dance. And of course, Liz is getting fucking she's buzzing and she's like, oh, this is brilliant. He's going to ask me to the dance now and all this nonsense is over with. Um, but he's like, oh, you know how people talk. And I didn't want someone else to tell you. But, um, you know, I'm going to the dance with someone else with Peggy Abbott. I don't know if you know her oh. or whatever. So Liz is just like, oh, what the fuck? Uh, but she kind of she manages to then jump in and say, oh, you know, what a coincidence. I was looking for you to tell you that I've got a date uh, for the dance, too, with a oh. senior. <laughs> so she just uses it immediately just to bat back uh, at Todd yeah. and not let him see, I suppose, how disappointed she is. Yeah. And you can't blame her mm. um, for in that moment. Oh, but, absolutely, um, yeah. So uh, Todd, the ourselves are like, oh, OK, oh, fine. And Liz feigns insouciance, but of course, <laughs> heart is broken. No. So soon after that, Liz has done the transfer with uh, Edith and has given her the fiat. But when uh, Edith is two miles away from the rendezvous point, the fiat breaks down. She's stuck there for over an hour trying to flag Mm. down help. And when someone finally stops, she just bursts into tears. Poor Enid. Poor Enid. This sucks. Like she does, she is far away enough that like she wasn't going to get there in time. Yeah. uh, Even if she did try and walk it. Like it is a lost cause. Um, And oh, poor Enid. You'd be so freaked like just trying to wave someone down to help you because she is pretty much stranded at this stage. So yeah, it all just went horrendously wrong for her here, unfortunately, because of that untrustworthy bloody Fiat spider. Ah, damn you Fiat. Spider. Um, so back at the Castletown Wakefield, Liz is pouring her heart out into her diary. She's she's won Chris and accepted the date. Really does well. Gotcha. See you then. <laughs> kind of like. I know that's the thing. Like he's like he he could be quite a cool character. He's just so fucking weird. Like yes, and scary. Yeah, that it's like, oh God, can you just please be a little bit, you know, smoother? <laughs> yes, because this is the thing. If he was just, I mean, there's a scene later where he loses the rag that just pushes him over the edge into just like, no, no, no. But yeah. he actually, you know, if they'd written him slightly differently, he could have had redeeming qualities. Like he's more interesting than a lot of them. And he's got some sort of, you know, he's got some cool moments, like the little caricature with the phone mm. number. That is a, that would work on young me now. Somebody, not oh. with the stariness. That would have been weird. Well, no. <laughs> the staring, no, the little drawings fully into that. Like he yes. had so much potential, I think, to be quite a cool character. And, and, you know, and a change of pace for Liz too. Like this could have gone yeah. very differently, but unfortunately there's just too much creep factor with this guy. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so um, she she has welcomed anyway, uh, yeah, and accepted the date. And um, but she she writes that she, you know, she, she thinks he's probably just another jerk, and you know, but whatever. She's gonna like it'll show Todd, and mm. then she realizes that that isn't really fair. That's not him. You know, it's not yeah. his fault that she's angry with Todd, and she's mm. going to cross those lines out. But then Jessica Burzo, 
bear that in mind, listeners. Uh, but <laughs> then Jessica bursts in and uh, rants about the car again and says that getting the Fiat fixed won't be enough. That will fix the symptom, not the disease. And then she says, the Fiat is the disease, Liz. It's as simple <laughs> as that. It's so terrifying. This is so like Jessica is so funny in this book as well because she's very dramatic about it. And even before she launches into this, like Liz turns to see her sister gesturing toward the ceiling, very much as though she were impersonating the Statue of Liberty. So you just imagine (laughs) Jessica just standing there, like one hand on her chest and one arm up to the sky, just like we need to fix this problem. We need a jeep. It's a great it element. Is. I love it. Oh my god, she's so much fun in this book. She really is so good. Yeah, um, because she says she has the solution, and the solution is a jeep, mm-hmm. jet black with tinted windows and purple trim. <laughs> I love, I love that she has like all the details down yes. to this finer point. Like it's so good. She has her spec all picked out. This is happening. <laughs> she really does. So the next day, Eden admits to Liz that she didn't call Hugh to tell him what happened. And this is like, as am I. What the fuck? Why not? What? And she's Why like, would I didn't, you? He didn't call me either. If only you knew I'd been kidnapped by pirates and was halfway to Guatemala. Well, people do get kidnapped at an alarming rate in this town. <laughs> oh, true. Yeah. So he probably should have checked up on it. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> so Liz says look he must think that you've stood him up because he doesn't know anything uh, you yeah. know he doesn't know how you feel now and Liz, Edith accuses Todd of not, or accuses Liz of not practicing what she preaches because she hasn't been open with Todd about how you know about her feelings mm. she's just been sort of playing it like she doesn't care about him and Peggy yeah. and, and this is again Edith and Liz apart from the time when Liz is just thinking about you know various boys and not listening to Enid they do have a nice sort of bantery friendship vibe that rings kind of true because she when Liz or when Enid accuses her of you know not being up with Todd Liz laughs and says well you know you don't want to end up like me do you you gotta talk to him (laughs) (laughs) that's it yeah they do have quite a nice back and forth like yeah when Liz isn't being annoying like her and Enid are very cute as like yeah Yeah. their little friend scenes are nice yeah. So at home, Enid rings you and it's really lovely and he's up for, you know, he's, he totally understands and he's up for, for trying to meet again on Thursday and Enid is mm. delighted and delighted with herself for having the nerve to kind of make that move. So yeah. it's, uh, it's, a, it's a sweet scene. It is. On Wednesday, Lila is highly amused to hear the rumours about Chris and Liz because uh, it's all over town and they're an unlike- unlikely pair and Lila admits he is kind of cute in a moody, aloof sort of way and uh, then says to Jessica, your sister, Miss Perfect Teenager, is dating Chris Lynch revel with a paintbrush? I mean, you make it sound very attractive to a teenager here, Lila. <laughs> <laughs> very true it's like all this kind of trash talking she's doing is just like oh really this guy Chris sounds kind of good <laughs> <laughs> oh it would have been like if you told me somebody was moody and aloof and a rebel with a paintbrush when I was 16 I would have been all over it now, oh look I, all in yeah so now <laughs> I know better in fact to the extent that my second book uh, has a the book um book that I wrote, not the second book I read. My second book <laughs> has a, uh, a character in it who is basically a parody of what I fancied when I was a teenager oh. and just how terrible they are. 
<laughs> the sort of moody, aloof, like art- tormented artistic boy is actually yes. just, you know, a selfish pain in the arse. So I felt that was me doing my public duty. By Absolutely. A bit of, bit of catharsis book. in the mix as well, I'm sure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yes, the way Lila is describing uh, Chris is uh, would have uh, made me fancy him when I was yeah. a teenager. Very fair. <laughs> Especially when she says he's an eccentric. He's always drawing in a sketchbook and he's never played any sports. The only normal thing about him is his father belongs in the country club. Again, what is the problem here? Oh my God. I love that like eccentric equals doesn't play sports in Sweet Valley. Like that's all it takes you to be kind of an offbeat character. (laughs) That's all it takes. I'm surprised that the country club let in the the Irish, but um, (laughs) (laughs) it was strictly wasp only, but there you go. It's the 90s, man. Things are changing. Oh, they let in someone called Lynch. Well done to them. That's diversity in Sweet Valley. Yeah. Sweet Valley diversity is an Irish name. God, it's depressing that it kind of is. Um, So, uh, yeah, Caroline has some hot gossip too. She's part of the gang in this book. She's heard Mm -hmm. that Chris has been into Liz for ages, but never dared to make a move. And... (gasps) Uh, Jessica mm-hmm. knows that Liz isn't ready for anything serious, but she doesn't want to be a downer because Liz does need the distraction from Todd. So she doesn't want. To, she's not going to say anything to Liz for the moment. Yeah, but I suppose she she does have it in in her mind that look, you know, there could be more to this, or at least Chris is certainly going to think there's more to this than yes. than Liz does. That could be True. an issue. Yeah. Well, on Thursday, a happy Enid arrives to meet you at the gazebo in the park, and she stood up. Oh no, yeah, she's trying to be chill. She's kind of checking her watch. She sees something coming over the hill and she's like, oh, that's him. This is great. Be casual. You don't want to look yeah. too eager and then realises it's it's not him at all. It's some other guy with a dog or something. Um, And yeah, she's just like, oh God, he's just, he's not coming. He's paying me back for standing him up the other day. And she kind of just starts to assume the worst and uh, cries, poor Enid. Oh. And just, yeah, she she heads back and uh, what is she? She, she stops out very dramatically, which I really like. Oh, that's always fun. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, she stomps down the steps of the gazebo. That's it. Kicks a rock out of her way. Love. She yelled into the quiet of the park. I'd rather be in algebra. <laughs> oh. I like that she got sort of angry about it. She wasn't just like, be, you know, having a, the, the, her usual slightly sappy sidekick yeah. quality. This is the Enid I, I love. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. You like it when they get mad. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's dance night and Liz is regretting saying yes to Chris uh, because just, you know, more about just going to the dance at all because you can't bear the thought of seeing mm. Todd and Peggy together. And I can totally understand why. Oh, yeah. And uh, there's quite a good bit where Jessica says, have you ever heard Peggy's laugh, Liz? She sounds like a donkey. You wouldn't want her to laugh at you, would you? And Liz says, <laughs> truthfully, we're told, she's going to laugh at me whether she did it when I wasn't there to hear her. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Jessica I do like says, that with the the uh, oh no sorry I'm just saying I, I do like um Jessica kind of slagging off Peggy a little bit because yes. that is again very relatable that you're like yes. slagging off the your friends or your sister's like boyfriend's new person you're just like oh stay of her <laughs> yeah oh uh, listen to that stupid duck laugh yeah. So. <laughs> you don't want them to go oh do you know what I've heard she's really nice actually I'm like no, no. like <laughs> a bit of solidarity that's what you want yes. <laughs> But Jessica makes a good point that Peggy isn't the donkey laugher isn't going to laugh at you if you turn up at the dance with a handsome senior on your arm and mm-hmm. Todd's not either. 
Ha. <laughs> Liz is sold. <laughs> Sam collects Jessica. They head off. So Liz is uh, still waiting for her date to arrive. And then there to see spot something quite uh, striking out the window. My goodness, it's quite a sight. Yeah, Ned is like, what in the world is that? Is it a limo? Uh, And Alice joins him and she's like, "Uh, it looks like a chauffeur-driven Cadillac to me. And uh, Liz is like, what the fuck is going on? Who would be pulling up in a chauffeur-driven Cadillac? And I was like, it is prom night, is it? And uh, they eventually deduce that it's Liz's date. And uh, Alice is like, oh my God, not only does he have a limo, he has candy and flowers as well. And uh, Uh. so they keep calling it a limo, but it is actually a Cadillac. So I don't know, is it like an extra big Cadillac? Because Cadillacs are fucking huge as it is. But um, yeah, it's a gleaming pink Cadillac convertible (laughs) parked directly (laughs) out the front of the house. I mean, holy shit. Calico Drive doesn't know what it is. It doesn't. (laughs) And Chris's ensemble also. I mean. Oh my God. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll go for it because it, it does all like it, it's a whole image together. It's a little tableau that we've got out here in the driveway um, because, yes, climbing out of said pink convertible Cadillac in an in an immaculate white suit with a bunch of pale pink roses in one hand and a pink heart shaped box of candy in the other was Chris Lynch. And like Alice is just like, um, uh, he's here. Your, your date is here, I guess. And um, I think is Ned like, that's not uh, odd. And he's very confused about what's going on. Ned but, is like, a very gormless sitcom dad in this whole oh, book. Extremely, just clueless. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Chris has made quite the entrance. Honestly, none of this really tees up with his kind of like arty, yeah. intense, cartoonist no. kind of vibe whatsoever. No, but look. Just- it's a fucking hilarious image and I'm here for it. <laughs> Me too. And so is Liz because we're told yep. she had never seen Chris dressed up before and you had to, she had to admit that the effect was incredible. He looked almost like a movie star. She'd also never seen him looking so happy before. This is a bit of a red flag. Tonight his <laughs> blue eyes were sparkling with excitement. Ooh. And they head off and he says it's a fantasy come true. <laughs> Oh God. Um, yeah, Liz is like, what, go, going to a dance? Um, and he kind of laughs and he's like, oh, sorry, I'm going to a dance with a beautiful California blonde in a pink Cadillac on a warm, starry night. That's the fantasy. And here we are. I can't believe it. And Liz kind of starts to realise that this isn't just a regular date for him. Like, this is something yes. fucking monumental, really means something to him. So I don't know where, she, it doesn't seem like she's got alarm bells going just yet, but no. she's kind of starting to realise this might be a little bit one-sided. Yeah, especially as he admits he's never, he's literally never gone to hmm. a school dance before. I mean, better off without them. It's amazing he's still enrolled at Sweet Valley High, to be honest. I feel like he'd be expelled if he didn't <laughs> attend at least every other dance. <laughs> yeah, or any of the sports things either. Hmm, but, um, absolutely. So they go in and of course they bump into Peggy and Todd straight away. And of course it's awkward. And there's quite a great bit where Chris int- or Peg- Liz introduces Chris. And then we're told she looked at Peggy. There was no way she was going to admit that she remembered her name. I love that. That It's so so, realistic. So petty. And I just fucking love it. It's delicious. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Who's this? You're who? 
Okay. Who, Patty, was it? <laughs> <laughs> Just like not giving her an inch. I love it. <laughs> and as it turns out, Peggy is a total fucking idiot. Um, <laughs> and Chris is amused at how Liz handles her, which again, this is, you know, there's the moments where Chris seems quite cool. Yes, um, true. And this is one of them because Liz is just being, you know, she's just very deadpan when Peggy is babbling on like in sort of oh you look like your sister oh wow you're twins um like chris peggy like she, peggy's doing her bit for bimbo representation so we have to give you that <laughs> fair point she is um but uh she could see chris trying not to laugh when she's hmm. sort of deadpanning back at her with you know sort of makes it feel like they're kind of on the same team very much um, yeah. but sadly uh Liz just, you know, for the rest of the night, she just, she's distracted by the presence of, as I guess you would be, God, can you imagine? She just keeps, she's super aware of Todd mm. and Peggy and it's sort of like, oh, where were they doing? Are they dancing together? Are they talking, you know, are they close? So like, what's going on? And later, um, so she feels a bit bad for being so distracted because in fairness to Chris, she did go to the dance with them and then spend the entire time sort of coping with somebody else. It's true. Yeah. Like he's trying to get a conversation going and she's just given him absolutely nothing in return. Yeah. Uh, because as you say, all she's doing is just eyeballing Todd and Peggy at every second and like needing to know where they are and what they're doing at all times. So like, yeah, in fairness to Chris, like this, like this is kind of lousy um, yeah. for her just to to stonewall him nearly like he's <laughs> trying his best to get a conversation going. She's given him nothing, but she does realise that it's unfair to him as well. She does, but then she goes too far because later when she gets home, she writes in her journal, of course, and writes, I guess I owe him a second date. He made such a big deal out of the dance. I mean, if someone picks you up in a big in a pink Cadillac, the least you could do is go to the movies with them, even if it's just because you have nothing better to do. No! You don't owe him a second date. Like, no. You, you shouldn't be, to be honest, it's kind of dicking him around to go on a second date if you're not it interested. Is. So That's the thing. Yeah, it's one thing if she was like, you know, actually, no, I, I I didn't give him a proper chance. And, you know, maybe maybe there could be something here, but that's not her take on it at all. It is just, she knows she's not interested in him. And it is more that she feels like she owes him a date rather than her actually wanting to go on yeah. a second date, which definitely isn't fair. Yeah. And actually, when Jessica arrives, um, you know, home from the dance she's all excited about like oh how did your hot date go and Liz says she just kept comparing him with Todd but then yeah. agrees that she's or admits that she's agreed to another date and Jessica rightly says if you don't like him Liz why lead him on and Liz says which is brilliant are you lecturing me about leading people on you of all people <laughs> But again, Jessica's amazing in this book. She's like, Liz, Jessica explained calmly. It's different when I do it. Everyone expects me to act like that. I'm a flirt, but they don't expect it from you. It's like being lied to by George Washington. <laughs> you kind of can't fault her logic in fairness. No, it is true. Um, so uh, she says, look, it's not too late to cancel the date with him and just say, look, you know, just made a mistake. You don't want to give him any false hope. Yeah. So Liz agrees and she's going to do it. But then when she arrives at school, she tries to sort of be normal. She meets Todd or she bumps into Todd and she tries mm. to be normal and sort of suggest going for lunch and everything. And he is just, he's just awful. Oh God. Yeah. He's terrible. Like, yeah, she does suggest yeah. lunch. You know, it'd be nice to have a chat. We are still friends, aren't we? Uh, and Todd is kind of like, oh, uh, yeah, of course we're still friends. And I'd like to have lunch with you, but I, you know, I sort of promised Peggy I'd eat with her and her friends oh. today. And like Liz is about to point out that he's always eating his lunch with Peggy and her friends these days. Um, mm. But and he's just like, oh, you know, maybe some other day. And then she just feels humiliated for even 
asking yeah. like for oh. this like nothing request you know and just feels kind of yeah just like this wasn't fair and embarrassed so she's like no fuck this I'm I'm, I'm gonna show him and uh, you know you're not the only fish in the sea and she's like oh Chris I've been looking for you like super loudly as Todd oh. is still in the corridor when she spots Chris coming around the corner so it's all very pointed but it is just her using Chris like completely at this point yeah which is you know not great no and um, at lunch Enid reveals that Hugh has been calling her but she hasn't been taking his call and Elizabeth hmm. isn't listening again and um, Edith is understandably a bit pissed off uh, but she relents when she realises that what's distracting Liz is Todd and Peggy on the other side of the cafeteria getting all um, lovey-dovey and this scene is quite funny <laughs> Oh God! Um, yeah, Enid kind of. Oh yeah, this is it. Liz is like, oh, just just tell me what they're doing. Um, and Enid can obviously see them from where she's sitting, and she's like, she's feeding him. She informed her, wrinkling her nose in disgust. It's really gross. You're right not to watch it. Liz is like, what? He's letting her feed him. Uh, Enid's like, well, it's not with a spoon or anything, but she is putting <laughs> potato chips into his mouth. Uh, maybe I should do nothing about you. Maybe I'd be a happier, healthier person if I just forgot about love completely. <laughs> uh, I just like that. Not with a spoon or anything. It's like, oh, thank yeah. you. <laughs> that makes it better. <laughs> um, so Enid wonders whether to give up on Hugh and Liz jokes about Enid joining her in the world of pain that she now lives on. <laughs> Um, so uh, Enid does decide she's going to ring Hugh but then she remembers this is his day that he works in the bike shop so she's like right I'm going to go I'm going to talk to him I'm going to go all the way there I'm going to talk to him straight to face, face to face yeah. but when she turns up there what should she see? Oh no she sees well she realises that uh, yeah it would have been better not seeing him at all because not only uh, does she find him she finds him uh, with his arms around some fucking slender redhead uh, in a darkened oh. corner. So he looks up just in time to see the look on her face uh, and he calls after her, but Enid just absolutely legs it out of there, like races back uh, to the car and he's, he's like running after her, like, Enid, wait a minute, come back. But um, no, she's out of there, not giving him a chance to explain anything because she has seen enough and she's like, well, fuck this. <laughs> uh, and uh, und- I mean, understandably, she does run away hmm. cry. No, oh, I mean, yeah, fair. Um, but now she, uh, she, she, she does, um, as we learn later, she has a slightly exaggerated things because when she rings Liz, she tells all and it's like, oh, they were kissing. Oh, she was beautiful. And, he, and Liz is like, okay, I thought a second ago it was too dark. And also it was like a split second. How did you see all this? And Edith's like, I, I did. I swear to God. Yeah. Yeah, she goes into detail about how this girl was like wearing Hugh's class ring around her neck like Enid used to do and all this. And I was kind of like, wait, where is this coming from exactly? But Enid has just kind of like filled in all these gaps for herself and really worked herself up into a bit of a frenzy. So she's just like, she says she's locking herself in her room until the convent has an opening. Well... Uh, Liz has romance on her mind too because she's getting ready for her next date with Chris and uh, Jessica warns her not to compare him with Todd and as soon as she as Chris turns up her first thought is Todd would never dress like that which makes me wonder what, how the fuck Todd dresses because I won't spoil it because obviously this is an outfit mm. but this is not a like out, this is a very boring outfit it's not that outlandish at all but again I guess Todd wears fucking chinos and polo <laughs> shirts doesn't he like <laughs> they all, all the boys dress like middle-aged men out golfing like that's just oh, yeah true you know Sweet Valley boys are preppy by nature 
somebody dressed like an actual teen is uh, is <laughs> like, noticeable. <laughs> Who is this deviant? <laughs> <laughs> well, she says he looks different, and he's a and we're told his deep blue eyes were amused. I dress up for dances, he said. This is normal. And uh, they they head off to the movies, and he she bombards him with questions, and he admits that he's never gone out. He's never had a date like this. He's never gone, mm. you know. Uh, he's ever been to a football game? Well, I mean, he's sold himself to me there because yeah. anybody's escaped the Sweet Valley sports cult would be surprised. <laughs> so eventually, Liz says, "Well, what do you do?" He came to a stop at a light. I paint and I draw," he said, his eyes on her. <laughs> so then Liz is like, oh. "So they actually do have a really good chat then." Mm, they do yeah he's got loads of like funny fascinating stories about like famous artists and artworks and he's quite interesting to talk to um and she ends up talking about how she'd like to be a professional writer and they kind of have like a nice chat about that and he praises her writing um and all that as well and i think yeah this is like after the movie uh he's like so like what do we do now and liz kind of realizes she is having a good time and kind of wants to keep the date going so she's like let's go to the dairy burger because that's what you do in sweet valley Yes, um, and uh, her good mood is shattered as soon as she walks in. Oh God, yeah, typical. So <laughs> they walk into the Dairy Burger and like straight away at a table near the front, there is Todd, an old donkey laugh Peggy Abbott. <laughs> True. <laughs> so uh, they, they slip into a corner booth and uh, Chris, uh, you know, he... he starts he was appealing a medicine ago and then he creeps it back up again because he says remember when you asked me what it is that i do elizabeth looking to see if todd was looking nodded vaguely which is so rude so rude. well there is one other thing i do said chris what's that asked elizabeth not really listening and chris says i think about you i would run for the fucking hills <laughs> Yeah, my at this stage, my notes were just like, he is going to murder you, Liz. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, well, he's got a whole wall of photographs of her in his bedroom, <laughs> like a creepy shrine, and oh, you need to get yeah. out of there. <laughs> Absolutely, he does. So at home, Jessica is still badgering her parents about the Jeep with tinted windows and purple trim when Liz gets home and, of course, heads off to write in her journal. And the next day, Jessica tells Lila that... Um, Everyone is is asking her about Liz and Chris and says uh, to Lila that Elizabeth's going to be a little upset when she finds out that everyone thinks she and Chris are a couple. Lila laughs and says Chris is going to be even more surprised when he finds out they're not. And fair enough, because we're told this is actually a few days later. Sorry. Hmm. And apparently Liz and Chris have been hanging out all the time. Like they've gone on these dates. It has to be said that Chris is completely justified in thinking she's into him absolutely no this is very fair like yeah as much as we've said what a creepy is like this yeah. is very misleading from Liz because they do detail like that they've been they've had lunch together three times two library sessions like someone's obviously keeping an itemised list here um, <laughs> two long walks at least a dozen meetings in the hall and he drove her home after school yesterday and this is all on top of at least two dates that we know of um, yeah. so like fair enough for Chris to think that they are more involved 
then yes. Liz seems to think they are. <laughs> because Chris has said, I really like you. And she has yes. kept going, okay, let's keep going out to all these meeting up all the time. So, yeah. you know, I do think if I am, not that I would ever in a million zillion years have told somebody like, I think about you. Oh, but <laughs> if I had made it clear under any circumstances that I fancied somebody and yeah. they kept that very week actively seeking me out and hanging mm. out with me, I would assume that unless they that, were an absolute prick, they liked you back, yes. at least some well, way. Very reasonable thing to assume, in fairness. Like, he has been quite mm. clear that he's really into her at this point, yeah. Yes, so either shut it down or make your feelings clear mm. or stop hanging out with them all the time, Liz. Yeah. Um, so Jessica, we're, Jessica knows Elizabeth wasn't trying to lead Chris on, but she also knew that he wasn't trying to, she wasn't trying too hard to discourage him either. And when she tries to talk to Liz about it, uh, Liz is like, oh, there's no chemistry between us. And he must know that. And Jessica says, just because you don't feel a spark doesn't mean he's not building a bonfire. <gasps> I mean, she's right. And also that's a great fucking turn of phrase. Good for you, Jess. Isn't it? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, on that flaming note, we're going to take a very quick break to tell you all about another podcast in the Headstuff Podcast Stable. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Speaking of bonfires uh, and fiery things in general, uh, you should check out Fireside, which is the Irish storytelling podcast hosted by Kevin C. Olihan. So every Wednesday, he's retelling tales of folklore and myth as they were meant to be told, gives them all a fresh retelling. And then afterwards, we'll discuss the story itself and the craft, the culture and the history of storytelling. So if you're a folklore fanatic or you just enjoy a good story, you can always join Kevin by the Fireside and you can have a little listen to Fireside now. <laughs> Fireside is the Irish storytelling podcast. Every week you'll hear tales of mythic Irish gods, Arthurian knights or Norse Vikings. There is folklore from Ireland and around the world, and even historical legends like Brian Baru and Gráinne Whale. Whether from poetry or prose, lyric or legend, if there is a good story at the heart of it, you'll find it here. I'm Kevin C. Olihan. I'm your host and fireside bard. With over 150 episodes and rising, there has never been a better time to join us by the fireside. And now, back to Sweet Valley, where Enid uh, tells Liz that she keeps seeing Hugh around town and uh, she just she still won't talk to him and she's like, why is he in Sweet Valley? I keep bumping into him everywhere. It's like, oh, for fuck's sake, Enid, come, come on. Come on, Enid. <laughs> Seriously, why were you in Big Mesa and the fucking Moon Beach all the time? <laughs> Same reason. <laughs> um, but even she thinks that Liz needs to be honest with Chris because it's sort of going too far and uh, and Liz realises this when Maria comes up to check if Enid's coming to her party at the weekend. And Liz is like, uh, don't ask me if I'm coming. And Maria says, oh, well, I know your boyfriend told me. And Liz is like, uh, what boyfriend? But because she is a, she's a fucking English as well in a different <laughs> way. She, um, she knows she has to talk to him, but somehow she thinks that the best time to do that would be at the party. Oh my God, this is so stupid. Yeah, she's like, it's the perfect opportunity. And it's like, what, in a crowd with loads of people around to like publicly humiliate him? Is that it? Yes, like fucking yes. talk to him after school, call him, like arrange to meet him somewhere else. Absolutely do not do this at a fucking party, yes. you psychopath. After you've, like he thinks he's on another date with you. Yes, mid-date, you're basically going to say, this is the perfect time for me to break up with you. Like, come on. Oh my God. So... 
it's party night and uh, after Li- Chris and Liz leave, uh, Jess is still waiting for Sam and she asks, Alice asks Je- Jessica, like, what's the story with Elizabeth and Chris? Like, we don't really know them. Like, are they a good match? And uh, luckily Jessica doesn't have to answer because Sam turns up and they head off. And the party is super loud and really crowded and unsurprisingly, Liz has no chance to have a quiet chat with Chris. Oh, like, no shit. I don't know how she thought this was ever a good idea. <laughs> and when she says she wants to be alone with him, unsurprised, like, he cannot be blamed for thinking what he's thinking. He's onto a good thing here. Like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> very reasonable assumption, again, for him to make. Because like. <laughs> there's a stage where he says, he's, I always want to be alone with you. I mean, that's creepy. But he moves so close <laughs> that for a second, she thought he was going to kiss her. It's like, that is not unreasonable at this stage, Liz. Come on. <laughs> Like, I know, and obviously they haven't kissed yet at this stage. Yeah. So, like, I don't know how she thought she was going to get out of this without having to kiss him at some point, seeing as they've been hanging out all the fucking yeah. time and going on dates. Like, come on, yeah. Liz. He's going to make a move at some stage. You know he yes. fancies you and you're going on all these dates. And, you know, like, obviously consent is an issue, but it would hmm. not be weird for somebody to make a move or to try and kiss True. somebody if they've yeah. gone out on multiple dates with them at a fucking party. And then they say, yeah. oh, let's be alone. <laughs> Yes, fair. <laughs> and so she tries to drag him off into a room somewhere quiet. But what should they see when they open the door to Maria's dad's office? <gasps> well, she freezes in place because they're on the sofa sitting close together in one corner. We're Todd and Peggy. Uh, and Todd has his armour in the back of the couch. He's leaning so close to Peggy that Liz is certain they must have almost caught them in a kiss. And her heart starts to race. She's like, oh my God, Todd is telling Peggy he loves her. That's what's happening. <gasps> he only broke up with her a few weeks before and now he's already telling someone else he loves her. So she's kind of like, oh, uh, wrong room and kind of turns around so quickly. She like steps on Chris's foot, uh, like runs oh. out. And Chris is is very gentle and he's like, hey, you know, don't be upset. We don't need a room. We can be alone right here. Uh, oh, God. So he does uh, kiss her. Um, but and she kisses him back. She does. This is the thing. Like, this is very confusing for Chris in fairness. And obviously, like, we get to a point where Chris is clearly not a good dude. But like, at this yeah. point, like, this is unfair of Liz and... It's yeah. very confusing messaging for Chris. Like Yes. Yes, it really is. So um she uh they they they're kind of getting at us on the stairs. Yeah. Pretty much, <laughs> and, yeah. and Liz finds herself, I mean, who among us hasn't kissed somebody in front of people at a teenage <laughs> or college party? But um show of themselves. We're told she thinks not only was she making a public spectacle of herself. I mean, these parties are very tame if she is literally the only person. Like, oh my god! Yeah. This, but also that this is making a, a public spectacle of yourself as kissing the guy that everyone knows you've been on a bunch of dates with. <laughs> at a party? Well, I don't know. Maybe all their, maybe they 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 really have a zero to a hundred thing at these parties, and you either are just sedately standing next to each other, or you're at it in the sex alcove, like oh, the sex no- alcove. <laughs> yes, on a scale from zero to a Bruce Batman party. That's yeah. it. <laughs> There's nothing in between. So you know, if you're if you're just kissing somebody on the stairs, you're making a public spectacle of yourself. You're either, sitting, you're either sitting quietly or it's a fucking orgy. There's no in between. <laughs> Apparently, that is true. So yeah, this is something she had never done before. But she realises she's just using this boy to get back at Todd. You are, and that's not cool. No. So 
she tells him to stop. She wants to leave. And he thinks she wants to leave. He thinks they, she wants to leave so they can go at it in more frenzy. <laughs> so he suggests going to Miller's Point. And she's stunned. She's like, how could you think that, that uh, she wanted to do that? I was like, I don't know. Maybe because you kept saying, let's find somewhere quiet and private. And then you like got off with them on the stairs. And then you said she wants to leave. <laughs> I know, God. Yeah, but she's just like bamboozled. She's like, how could he be picking me up this way uh, and reading me so wrong? But like, yeah, again, in fairness, Liz, you're giving him nothing to work with here other than what he's seeing. Um, and she's like, I don't want to go to Miller's Point, Chris. I want to go home. Uh, there's disbelief in his look as well. And he's like, home? And then he smiles. And he's like, oh, I get it. Your parents are out. We'll have the house to ourselves. And she's like, no, Chris, you don't understand. I want to go home and I don't want to go out with you anymore. Oh, and this is where and Chris turns nasty mm. because yeah. he, first of all he thinks this is a joke he's like what you drag me out of the party to make out and then you decide that you don't want to, to see me anymore I mean that is kind of what happened but um, mm. that he you know he's on he's it would be understandable if he was upset but he actually just gets super angry and he's literally shaking her his fist in rage and he's so angry that she demands he pulls over yeah, um, like it does sound scary. Like it is quite a, a switch in him. And it's like, yeah. no, Chris, like we were with you to a point, but like this is not cool. Yeah. Uh, like he is scaring her. Although there is, sorry, there is kind of a hilarious bit where it's like, Elizabeth was used to Todd's <laughs> even temper and reasonableness, which meant that she was totally unprepared for Chris's reaction. And it's like, I'm sorry. Todd's oh. what now? And is who now? Because even temper and reasonableness do not go with our <laughs> well documented fists of fury, Todd. Like, where? the fuck are they pulling that out of <laughs> come on now my notes just say WTF <laughs> <laughs> who are we talking about a different Todd is that what's happening yeah. oh my god <laughs> well she he, he does pull over and she starts to get out of the car but then he takes her arm and mm. says he's suddenly calm and says you're just teasing me aren't you that's it isn't it you're just teasing me you couldn't have kissed me like that if you didn't like me you weren't pretending that was for real and then he tries to kiss her and he has to push him off and like she screams it's quite scary no Um, this is bad and in the struggle so it doesn't last for long but her bag falls and everything goes to the floor and she's fighting back tears and then it's like he he comes to his senses and is just sort of like, oh, well, you know, oh, shit, sorry. Um, I don't know what came over me. She's like, well, fuck off, basically. And stops, yeah. puts her stuff in the bag and, you know, refuses his offer to help her um, and take her all the way home and gets out of the car. And then he just goes, oh, suit yourself and drives off. So she thinks, yeah. right, that's it. That's We're done here, you know, yeah. Um, so Jessica comes home from the party early to check on Liz. She tells Sam, blood is thicker than diet cola after all. <laughs> oh my God. Like Jessica is coming through with the lines in this one. It's oh. so good. She's just on such a fucking roll. I love it. She really is. So she finds Liz all upset. She's unable to find her journal and she just wishes she could, you know, like vent uh, her feelings mm. after the night she's had. And Jessica's like, well, you know, I know that was tough but at least he knows you know there's not really any like there's nothing you, you it was you were gonna have to break the news to him at some yeah. stage so that's it yeah so the next day um she goes to her locker really worried about losing the journal and hoping it's there because she took like the fact she took it to the fucking party liz come I'm on sorry what was that like come on now <laughs> 
But when she gets to her locker, who should be there? Well, it's Chris. Um, now, I would be quite scared. Uh, and she yes. is surprised to see him there and realises he's oh. holding a single white rose. Um, so he says it's a peace offering and he wants to apologise for the other night. Um, and he says, you know, I, I really went off the deep end and I'm really sorry. So she's kind of relieved um, by this because apparently she'd been alternately furious and feeling guilty about the whole situation. Um, and knows that like he had behaved badly, but she had too by ignoring his feelings and, and literally using him to get back at Todd. Um, so Which she's is like, true. I'm Before sorry. Before his behavior the other night, this is... Well, this is it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she was behaving badly. And obviously not to the extent where he was like physically intimidating her because obviously yes. that's... So they do kind of, yeah, like apologize to each other. He says, you know, please forgive me. And she's like, oh, if you forgive me. So they and kind of... Yeah, and he's like, there's nothing to forgive. So it seems yeah. like he sort of... He, it seems he just, amicable. Yeah. Yeah, and it seems like he sort of did have, you know, this is it. He's willing to draw a line. He's not going to pressure her. Or there's, this is it. Yeah. It's it's run its course. They're so all cool go, now, yeah. And she's she's feeling quite friendly towards him and is like, okay, that's all fine now. Yeah. And then she uh, finds her journal. It's at the bottom hmm. of her locker. Interesting. So, I mean... <laughs> How did it get back in there? Like, it's spoiler alert, Chris read her journal. But I mean, <laughs> to be fair, the title is kind of a giveaway for yes. this whole book. Like. But how like, did he pick the lock? Because we're told it's like under her runners at the bottom of the locker. That's the thing. It's like, did he just like distract her with the rose and then like shove the diary into her book? How would she not notice that when he's standing in front of her? So unless he's some kind of fucking sleight of hand magician, I don't know how he pulled this off. But yeah, that's yes. basically what's after happening here. Yes. Uh, so he's, he's, he's somehow got it in there. Yeah. And later, Enid is, you know, is impressed that everything like all's well that ends well, so it seems. And she hopes that all's back to normal. And Liz says that uh, things are back to normal while Todd is with a girl who sounds like a farm animal. <laughs> and Enid, this is one of these moments where they seem like real friends who kind of jokes around. So Enid says, maybe instead you and I will become old maids together, going through the years with our unrequited loves. <laughs> or this is more evidence of uh, our listeners' theory that Enid has a secret crush on Liz and is just deeply in oh, love with her all this time. True. <laughs> well, what might have been. Mm. Well, um, Edith admits she still does miss Hugh, but he seems to have stopped like just popping up at random locations <laughs> in Big Valley. And uh, she, when she heads off, Todd approaches Liz and says he wants to talk after school. And Liz is hesitant, but then thinks if there's any chance of keeping him as a friend, she's going to have to find a new way to relate to him. I mean, I wouldn't mm. after the way he's behaved. No, fair. <laughs> so she agrees to meet. Mm. So later, Caroline is fishing for gossip with uh, Jessica. And Jessica tells her that Chris and Liz are definitely not seeing any, each other anymore. But Caroline's heard something to the contrary. Yeah, she's like, oh, that's not the way I heard it. Um, oh. And uh, yeah, she says she has it from some very reliable sources that the reason Chris and Elizabeth left the party in such a hurry the other night was because they couldn't wait to get up to Miller's Point. Yes. Oh my God. And, Je and Jessica's <laughs> like, what the fuck? This is not true. Yeah. And uh, Caroline says, I'm not only saying that she went there with him, I'm saying she had a pretty wild time. And the person <gasps> who told me all this is none other than Chris Lynch's best friend's girlfriend. 
Oh my god. Yeah, so she's uh yeah, she's convinced like this is what's happened. This is her reliable source. Oh. And uh yeah, Jessica's obviously having none of it and saying, look, you know, they had a kiss in public and that's not exactly the same thing as a a wild night uh it's, it's funny having said sex twice in the last book and now they're really dancing around yes. the implications of this wild night and uh, Liz <laughs> being wild and letting herself go and all this kind of stuff. It's very um a lot of pussyfooting going on here for yes. sure. But uh, yeah, so Caroline is like, nope, this person doesn't make things up. If she says she knows they went to Miller's Point, then they did. But uh, Jessica's just like, nope, this is absolute nonsense. I can't believe you'd believe someone you hardly know over me. Uh, and in sure. fairness, like Jessica would know. She like yes. went home early from the party to check on her. And uh, yeah, she's just like, look, whoever is saying this, it's not true. Um, so uh, Caroline does say, okay, yeah, fine. I, I believe you. So someone must have got their wires crossed. Well, um, apparently the, it takes a while for this to the, the truth to spread around school because later Lila rings and tells Jessica mm. it's all over school about Elizabeth and Chris Lynch and their night of passion. <gasps> oh my goodness. <laughs> and she's impressed because she thought, always thought Liz was a cold fish. And Jessica says when she gets her hands and who spread the rumours, they'll be a dead fish. Ooh. They'll be going through <laughs> with the fishes. Yes, we love it. <laughs> Little OTG moment. So... Todd meets Liz and it's, a, it's kind of stupid scene where she's like, oh yes, I, I know what you're going to tell me. I know about you and Peggy uh, and I know what you were telling her in the study at the party and Todd is like, what? What are you talking about? What do you think I was telling her? And uh, then he reveals the truth. He wasn't declaring his love. No, quite the opposite. He was telling Peggy that he couldn't see her anymore because of how he feels about Liz and admits that he was a fool, that he almost threw away the best part of his life. And <gasps> uh, he, in fairness, he does admit to being a real jerk. So that's something, I guess. Yes. <laughs> and um, says he doesn't know what got into him. And the whole thing with Stephen and Cara obviously upset him more than he realised. And um, yeah, he says, when you know, Peggy started flirting with me and I just had to find out if you and I were together because we really cared for each other or just because we were so comfortable together. Um, so yeah, whatever, like, but Liz is just yeah. relieved that he wasn't, in fact, telling Peggy he loved her. Yes. Um, and uh, obviously he breaks things off and he's like, look, I still love you. And uh, yeah, she's like, oh, my God, I was sure you didn't care about me anymore. You know, it's not like they ever communicated anything to each other. Oh, God, fat chance. After their weird conversation at the start of the book. But um, yeah, they realise they only want to be with each other and uh, they've missed each other so much. But um, yeah, he just asks her to, to give him another chance. So Liz declares their trial separation a complete failure. So they Hurrah! make a date for uh, for the following night to celebrate. So they're going to have the whole world see that they're back together. Yes. And when she gets home, she's blissfully happy. But when, And when Jessica tells her about the rumours, she literally laughs it off and just says, look, it's gossip, it'll blow over, it's grand. Yeah. But will it? Because the next day, mm. Edith arrives at school and uh, goes to the bathroom and Jean comes in and asks her, you know, what's the story with Liz and Chris? And Edith is outraged and uh, when she hears the rumours and she literally roars at Jean that uh, <laughs> there's no truth to this. And Jean, no, because she's Elizabeth's best friend. And uh, she shocks some passing sophomores. <laughs> quite the outburst from Enid but yes she's furiously defending her best friend because obviously this isn't true well later Peggy runs up to Todd and asks if he's heard about Liz and Todd's amused uh, uh, you know he knows that there's like him and Liz are stronger than ever and there's no truth to this but Peggy says she heard Chris boasting about her or about it with her own ears and Todd assumes that Chris is just spreading lies um, mm -hmm. And he's determined to confront him. But when he confronts Chris, he has a surprise. Yeah. Um, 
So, yeah, this is it. Chris is like, oh, you know, what if what if they're not lies and says, you know, oh, Liz told me all about you. And, uh, you know, she was her real self with me and doesn't hide anything. We're very close, uh, me and Liz. We're so close. I know things about you. You think nobody knows. And of course, <gasps> Todd is like, yeah, whatever. Um, and then Chris lists off some uh, details about his relationship with Liz, about their arguments and their secrets, their most <gasps> romantic times together. Oh, and uh, as, as Todd is hearing all this, he feels like um, his world is crashing down around him. He's like, how could Elizabeth betray him? like this so Chris says she's only pretending uh, to get back together with you to pay you back for running around with Peggy um, and says you know I'm the one she really loves so all of this has absolutely freaked Todd out because he doesn't know how Chris could know these things unless Liz told him um, of course so yeah he kind of he stomps off kind of stricken by this whole conversation because uh. he's just like he doesn't know what to make of it and he's completely miserable now mm. and Chris is laughing away as Todd mm. leaves so later, Enid's in town and she spots Chris so she confronts him. She's such a great friend in this book. She and, is. Um, uh, he's like, oh, I haven't spread any rumours. All I've done is tell the truth. Enid could feel her temper rising. The truth, she shouted. She's always shouting in the book, which I also appreciate. <laughs> the truth is that Elizabeth has too much taste to go out with someone like you. For a second, Chris's smile slipped. Then he recovers. And then he's like, oh, is that what she says? Oh, I'm surprised how little Elizabeth's told you about our relationship. Um, and, then, and then says, she certainly told me all about you. And then <gasps> he gives all these details about her and Hugh and horrified Edith runs away. And Chris, oh, he's so evil in this. He goes, hey, Edith, Chris called after her. Don't go away. We have a lot more to talk about. Oh, he's so mean. Poor Edith. Yeah. So later, a happy Liz gets ready for a date with Todd and gormless Ned holds up a forkful of spaghetti and says, where has he been lately? With a faintly puzzled air. I haven't seen him around. Oh, God. Yeah, Ned is such a dope in this book. Like, he just literally hasn't a clue what's going on at all. Um, so, yeah, Liz is just like, oh, you're going to see a lot more of him from now on because uh, she's all all delighted with herself. And, mm. oh, yeah, Jessica continues to drone on about Jeeps and some articles oh, she read God. about Jeeps the other day. Uh, and uh, then Elizabeth eventually starts to realise that Todd is late uh, for this date. Oh, um, yes. But uh, yeah, and it's getting later and later. And eventually he's like an hour late for this. She's just like, what is going on? So she rings him and she's kind of surprised because she presumes like his car is broken down or something has happened. Um, But when he answers, he's really sharp on the phone with her and he's like, oh, I figured it would be you. And again, she's like, yeah, of course it's me. I'm all dressed up and nowhere to go. Uh, You know, you were supposed to pick me up an hour ago. And he's just like, I thought you'd rather go out with Chris Lynch tonight than with me, considering (gasps) how close the two of you have become. And just like slams down the phone. So like (sighs) typically fucking Todd, it's not like he'd actually ring her up and be like, look, we can't go out tonight. What the hell is going on? Yeah. Um, but yeah, instead just literally stands her up and like fumes away at home until she calls him to find out what's going on. Oh, Todd. Mm. Well, um, Liz is, is just stunned and she rings Enid and says, can you believe that, Enid? Todd thinks the things they're saying about me are true. Yes, said Enid, her voice as friendly as a polar bear. Ooh. I can believe that. So... Later, Elizabeth arrives home and finds, or sorry, Jess arrives home and finds Elizabeth asleep in a room, her journal open, and Jessica spots that she's just written uh, about Todd and Edith turning against her. And, you know, why? Why would they not believe her? Um, I've never done anything to hurt either of them. An ingenious Jess. I just love when people actually spot the obvious things in these books, Mm. um, as opposed to, like, contrivedly not, you know, 
yeah, letting the, the truth dawn. She knows that Todd or Enid wouldn't uh, believe this bullshit if they didn't have a reason. So what is the reason? What convinced them? Yeah, um, she knows there's something more to it. And yeah, and it's great that uh, Jessica is just, she's so fucking great in this book. It's so good. brilliant. It's so <laughs> yeah. satisfying. And the poor Liz the next day, now she is trying to talk to... Uh, to, to Todd and Enid because um, mm. she's miserable she's the talk of the town Todd and Enid are estranged from her and when she asks what the story is with Enid, Enid like she doesn't know what she's done and Enid is like oh you know alright and she says but Enid you owe me nothing Enid's voice <laughs> rose above the vo- noise in the hall I don't owe you anything Elizabeth Wakefield do you hear me nothing at all Edith, if you just calm down. Nothing, raged Edith. N-O-T-H-I-N-G. She spotted her head and stormed away. My God, she's like a really furious cheerleader or something. I kind of love it. N-O-T-H-I-N-G. Nothing. Well, the day is a nightmare for Liz. I want you to quit sees Chris he's clearly taking a leaf out of Jessica's book and last uh, novel because every time he sees her he gives her a big smile and a meaningful wink oh for fuck's sake yeah, <laughs> yeah Liz thinks to herself that she she wishes she, she still had his rose she says to, to Jessica as they're watching him disappear around the corner I'd like to shove it down his throat Jessica smiled sweetly why stop at one rose why not the whole thorny bouquet <laughs> oh nice one so, at Je- determined Jessica is on the case. Uh, she wants mm. to get to the bottom of this mystery. And at lunch, she sits down next to Enid, who eventually tells her, she's like, why are you so angry with her? And Enid yes. says, Look, Liz clearly told all my secrets to Chris. He had all the details. He knows all the stuff about me. And Jessica says, look, you know that Elizabeth telling him is really out of character. But Enid says, well, yeah, but how does he know? No one knew these things. And he's either a mind reader or Liz told him. So later, he... Jessica confronts Todd and he's not up for talking he says Liz like has really messed around and clever Jessica says this awful thing that Liz has done to mess you around was it that she told Chris Lynch private things about you I just love that she's seen through it She's in detective mode and it's fucking great. Like, it's so satisfying because she's just on the ball. She can see, like, something's going on here and it's clever enough to realise that Liz would never tell Chris in particular anything Mm. about these people who are so close to her. She's just like, no, there's another explanation and I'm not going to stop until I find out what it is. Yeah. So so she goes to confront him. She realises he's the root of all this and she finds, Mm. when she finds him, it's basically game recognises game. Like, it's so fucking good. (laughs) because we're told Jessica Wakefield was a schemer that was why she immediately realised she was in the presence of a real master takes one to know one she said to herself stunning I love it oh my god it's so good she can just see through him immediately it's great oh god oh, I love it. and it gets even better because she's like Look, you have to stop spreading these lies about Elizabeth and he's like but it's all true I know every, you know Elizabeth's just been so honest with me and he spills a load of Jessica's secrets at her and what's amazing is that she is totally unfazed she's just like yeah I know she didn't tell you this I know you found out some yeah. other way and I'll find oh, out like- now it's so good. She just gives him absolutely nothing because, of course, he's yes. waiting for a reaction and for it to blow up. And she's just like, no, she's completely calm. She's just unmoved. It's like, don't know how you know these things. She never told them, do you? I'm going to find out what's going on here. You can be sure of that. He's like, is that a threat? He asked in mock, in mock horror. Jessica's like, no, she winked. It's a promise. Oh, I <laughs> love so, it. 
Oh, just when she's good, she's fucking great. <laughs> she is. I have to, you know, hats off. And, yeah. and the thing is, in so many of the books, there's some contrived thing where somebody is like, they will believe Mm. a bad thing about a character that's completely out of character was in this yeah. case jessica's like this is out of character and there was no way she fucking did it if she says she didn't yeah. do it she just didn't that's it it's so satisfying that she immediately recognizes that it's bullshit and is like no i'm fucking figuring this thing out yes so later she's so distracted by her mystery that she's she can't even badger her parents about the jeep and uh she says she's got something on her mind and ned reminds her of what uh, sherlock holmes says that once you've eliminated the impossible whatever's left no matter how improbable must be the solution mm. and jessica ponders this because she's like she because she brings liz a snack because liz is holed up in a room and liz is writing in the journal and saying how much it always helps her to share her her thoughts and what's going on in her life in it and then Mm -hmm. inspiration strikes jessica oh it's so good yeah she's like it's it's impossible completely impossible elizabeth would never let anybody read her journal not ever me not even me and then realizes that she obviously has read liz's journal not with her permission of course but she had read it so she's like it wasn't impossible that chris had read it too it was only improbable so she's kind of yeah been mulling over this little statement and it kind of starts to add up for her and she realizes that Liz's journal had been missing here and there and right after Maria's party and after the big fight she's like what if he'd stolen it so he could get back at her for turning him down and she's like oh my god this has to be it so she reckons she's cracked the case and she has it's so satisfying it really is (laughs) the next day she shares her theory with a horrified Lila who says I mean I hide my diary in a different place every morning just so burglars won't be able to find it <laughs> and uh, she's ready to help. She's like, so the question is, what are we going to do about it? Do you want me to spread some nasty rumors about Chris? And Jessica gazes at her with open admiration. That's why she's my best friend, Jessica thought. <laughs> so great oh my god but it is so very dynamic as well it's like yes this is why you're my best friend and I love you it's because you're exactly as fucking twisted and mean as I can be (laughs) but sometimes a good cause yeah and that's made in heaven (laughs) absolutely so later Lila drives Jessica in the lime green triumph over to Chris's house and uh waits Lila waits in the triumph which I love at the curb as Jessica just marches in and he's like uh, okay fine why don't you just come in and he, she uh, she's she goes into full sort of Poirot slash Columbo sort of mode because <laughs> she tells Chris she knows that he read the diary for an instant the mask of bravado slipped from his face but he quickly put it back in place and he's like you can't prove it but then the whole scene just goes from already brilliant to spectacular Oh God. Yeah. She's just like, you know, I don't have to prove anything. I'm just going to fight fire with fire. Uh, I'm sure that's something you can understand. And he's like, uh, okay, what are you talking about? And apparently Jess has rehearsed this scene in her mind all afternoon. And like, she stood up and started walking slowly around the room, the way detectives in the movies always did. And like, I love it so much. She's Jessica Fletcher. She's Columbo. She's Borrow. She's all the greats in one blonde package. And it's fantastic. So she's just like, one more thing. Oh, fantastic. She's like, I'm going to tell everybody I know that you're a thief and a liar. I'm going to tell them that you can't be trusted even for a minute. Then you'll get to see for yourself what it's like when the whole world turns against you. And he kind of laughs, but it's a a thin laugh. And he's like, oh, who's going to believe you? And she's like, pretends to consider his question. Oh, everyone, she said at last. All my friends at school all my friends in town, all Sam's friends at Bridgewater High. She nods toward the front of the house, all of Lila's friends. It won't be long before everybody in Southern California knows about you. You won't have a friend left. (laughs) And then she reminds him that she can do all this by telling the truth. 
Imagine if she started making things up like him. (laughs) So Chris crumbles like a paper bag. Oh, it's so good because she could fully fucking destroy this dude. (laughs) Oh my God, she could. That's why she doesn't. Um, So she says, she he didn't steal the diary. Liz did drop it in the car. So uh, mm. the title was actually not really accurate. Anyway, um, I'll allow it because this book is so good. And he says that he was going to bring it back the next day. And then he started thinking about, oh, his friends were going to laugh at him. What some friends they are? Because Elizabeth yeah. dumped him because they thought he was nuts going after her anyway, because that she'd never go out with him. But mm. um, he, he admits that he knew it was wrong to read some of the diary, but he hoped she'd have written something Maybe if she wrote something nice about him, it would at least console him and, you know, make him think that she mm. did, like, see something in him. But instead, she read that bit that she meant to, he read that bit she meant to scribble out about how he was a jerk and basically that she was using him to get back at Todd. Oh, yeah. And, like, in spite of herself, Jessica almost felt sorry for him. But then she protested, look, that isn't even true. She's like, I don't know what Liz wrote in her journal, but I do know that she did like and respect you and she wanted to stop seeing you because she knew it was unfair to lead you on. Yeah. Um, so Chris is like, oh, okay, you know, maybe I don't even know anymore. Um, and he just, uh, yeah, admits that he just felt like she was making a fool out of him and that he got this great idea uh, to turn everyone against her. But he's like, no, I, I didn't intend for it to turn out like that. It snowballed. I never thought for one second that things would turn out the way they have. Um, so Jess is like, yeah, well, I can help you out if you really want me to. Because <laughs> she actually sympathises despite herself and says, believe me, my big mouth has gotten me into trouble <laughs> enough times to understand how it happened. Yeah, it's like no one gets to ruin my sister's reputation but me. Yeah, yeah she's literally done it. Oh my god! I mean, it was literally the plot of the very first book. Yes, over Miller's point. My god. Well, they head to the Dairy Burger, and Chris is in a daze, and he does seem as much as anybody can, given the circumstances, to be genuinely sorry for what he's done. He actually said, "I can't believe I started those rumors about her." He turned to Jessica with an expression of complete bewilderment. I'd like to think it was temporary insanity and they go into the dairy burger where Todd and Enid are there Jessica's arranged mm-hmm. to, to meet them and Chris confesses all and I guess he actually it is a very heartfelt apology of the like that I mean I don't think we've had enough of in Sweet Valley books because he says I've never been so ashamed of myself in my life and I give you my solemn word I'll never do anything like this again as long as I live yeah so. and uh it's and I guess Todd and Enid do kind of realize that you know that they they should be a bit sh- ashamed as well he's like how could I ever have treated Liz like that and you know Enid's the same she's like for every, after everything she's done for me I repay by I repay by turning on her the first time someone puts a doubt in my mind so they both kind of realize that they shouldn't have just outright believed that Chris you know would have heard all this from Liz yeah. that she would have betrayed them like that and like it's funny because even as they're sitting down, Jessica is like, she understood how hurt and betrayed Todd and Enid had felt, but she could not help thinking that they should have known better. And like, she's right, they should yeah, have. She really <laughs> but at least did. Jessica did. Yeah, the fact that Jessica was just the smartest person in this whole thing, it's it's great. Like, <laughs> True. I love it. Mm. So uh, she's feeling pretty pleased with herself by the time she gets home. For once, it's justified. Yes, absolutely. She hasn't ruined anyone's life. In fact, she's fixing things. It's unlike her, but it's great. (laughs) It is. And she's dancing around singing to herself. And Liz asks why she's so happy. And Jessica says, I'm 16. I'm blonde and I'm beautiful. Why shouldn't I be happy? (laughs) And Liz says, I'm 16, blonde, beautiful and I'm not happy. Might as well be a 200-year-old troll living under a bridge. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, this is gas, actually, because like Jessica clearly is in a great mood because she's sorted this whole thing out, but like decides that she's not going to tell Liz 
that she's fixed all of this just yet. She kind of leaves it, kind of leaves her to stew for another day, thinking that everyone's mad at her and hates her. Because <laughs> she's like, I'm going to make it a surprise for her. This is going to be great. <laughs> um so uh yeah she's uh i mean she she could tell her sooner rather than leaving her for misery yeah. but i did there's there's quite a great moment later when um liz, liz goes in before they're going to to sleep and uh goes into liz, jessica's room and says i just wanted to tell you how lucky i feel to have you as my sister that's all through this whole mess you've been the best friend i could ever want and jessica shoots back remember that the next time i want to wear that blue silk short shirt of yours <laughs> Of course, my goodness, what else? There's <laughs> it, a really nice little beat here where you know, they say goodnight and go back to their beds. And, and I wonder if she meant it about the shirt, Jessica thought, as she drifted off to sleep. <laughs> Love his priorities. Exactly. It's brilliant. <laughs> so the next day, Liz arrives at the Oracle after school. Jessica has asked to meet her there. And she's horrified when she comes in. And who should she see? Well, it's Chris, Enid and Todd all together. And she's just like, what is happening here? And um, they all apologise. Chris apologises for lying. The others for believing the lies. And then I have to say that Chris does now. Can he redeem himself for losing the rag at her mm. and grabbing her in the, in the, in the, what do you call it, in the car? No. Yeah. But it has to be said that if you're going to apologise, this is a good apology. That's true. Like this is, as you say, it's a better apology and more of an apology than we've seen from pretty much any other Sweet Valley guy up to this point. Yeah. So yeah, bad and all as he was, and he was bad. Like this is better than we could hope for really when it comes yeah. to these books. Um, because he hands her an article that he wants her to print uh, in, or wants her to have printed in the Oracle. Uh, and the caption reads, begging forgiveness. And there's a little cartoon of like Liz sitting on a chair and Chris dealing beside her. And um, then underneath it, there's like a full apology and explanation about, you know, that this was all like his fault and Liz yeah. never did any of these things. Yeah. So it's a full, like open, transparent apology. Everybody at school is going to have the record set straight. And yeah, like it's, it is kind of an impressive apology and a decent yeah. one, which doesn't often happen. Yeah, it's wholehearted. It's public. Mm. It's yes. taking full responsibility for his mm. actions. So um, yeah, I guess the best we can hope for. Yeah. Hope he's learned a lesson and he won't start deluding himself about <laughs> uh, and losing his temper at girls in cars in the future indeed god <laughs> so happy liz forgives everybody and she hugs her pals oh. that, that night she celebrates in guidos with um todd jessica and sam they're waiting for for enid and jessica has some exciting news yeah uh, she read in the entertainment page apparently that her favorite soap opera the young and the beautiful are looking for a pair of identical twins to do a guest appearance so she's like don't you think liz and i would be absolutely perfect um and Je or liz is like uh, can we just concentrate on one thing at a time please right now i just want to enjoy this moment but uh, yeah we're getting some setup obviously for the next book here so this is jessica's next mission is going to be uh, getting herself apart well her and liz apart on her favorite soap mm. opera yes uh, and, uh, and what a setup it is because I think this is another if I remember it right this is another mm. banger yes I think I remember this one I definitely read it because I remember a certain scene mm. in it and yeah this I'm looking forward to this oh, <laughs> we're in such God, a good like, role of books now this really is good. are <laughs> it's exciting so Jessica wants to order because she's starving but they have to wait for Enid who's uh, who's running late and uh, she's nearly half an hour late so it is quite bad but um, yeah. then Enid <laughs> arrives and she's not alone <gasps> 
Hugh is with her. Hooray. Yes. So Enid says that after the mess Liz got into because no one was talking to anyone else, she decided she had to try and straighten things out. So it turns out, of course, that he wasn't kissing the bike shop girl. She's a friend of his. She'd just been dumped and he was like just giving her a hug. And um, Hugh was, uh, you know, when he, obviously he'd just been, she wouldn't take his calls. He really wanted to explain mm. to her. So he was try, turning up in Sweet Valley, hoping to bump into her. And there's quite a charming moment where Enid's like, oh, the funny thing is, he only pretended to find my earring. It was all of wounds <laughs> to talk to me. And Liz's like, but Enid, you never lost one. Enid's <laughs> <laughs> oh. like, oh my God, I guess I forgot. So it actually is quite cute that like she was pretending to lose one. He was pretending to have found one. Right, it's like they obviously really wanted to see each other this whole yes. time. And it's I'm glad that they resolved it eventually and got I back do. together. Good for yeah. them. Hmm. So the next morning, it was a, it's a brilliant night. And the next morning, Jessica bursts into Elizabeth's room and says, everything's worked out for everybody. And the only thing that could add to the sum of happiness <laughs> in the universe would be the twins getting a Jeep. <laughs> it's all been building up to this we need this fucking jeep <laughs> good god yeah Liz is understandably tired of jeep talk as am I but Jessica <laughs> has big dreams and says if this show really is looking for twins and we're the twins they're looking for a jeep would be the coolest way to travel right and Liz is like yeah sure whatever yes if we ever had to go to LA a jeep would be great. Satis- and she says, satisfied, because, you know, she's conceded this. <laughs> Jessica says, not yet. Jessica stood up and placed her, hand on her hands on her hips. I won't be satisfied until I'm sitting behind the wheel of a four-wheel drive vehicle cruising to Los Angeles to meet with my director. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the end that's of the amazing. book. Oh, that was so good. <laughs> so good. Can you read us out, please? Because it's a good ending as well. Yeah, will Jessica and Elizabeth become soap opera stars? Find out in Sweet Valley High number 85, Soap Star. I mean, the, the clue to the, that question is in the name of the book. Again, yeah, title's a bit of a spoiler once again, <laughs> but here we are. That's <laughs> just what's happening now. Oh, well, that was The Stolen Diary. It was brilliant. One of the best, I think, Goodness. in the regular series of books in quite some time. So good. A real return to form, definitely. Yeah, Absolutely was. Do you have stats and outfits for us? Okay, not only was the book and cover a return to form, but the stats and outfits, well, the stats for sure are a return <gasps> to form because Ooh. the blondness got no less than 11 mentions. Oh, oh my God, that is more than a return to form. That is a peak. That is exceeding form. That is so much blondness. I was, as I was counting, I was like, wow, it is still going. <laughs> we are really hammering home the blondness. Um, so yeah, a stunning victory for blondes everywhere. Congratulations. Well, they really uh, needed it. They, they needed it. Um, the blue green eyes got six mentions, which is oh, a healthy number there too, to be fair. So. And people's eyes sparkle five times. So that was also delightful. Wow. Was some of those sparkling eyes uh from Chris yes his sparkled once I think Enid got two and the rest was the twins yeah. mm. well those are some pretty good stats what mm. about the outfits uh, yes okay well you know yeah the outfits like there wasn't anything particularly amazing but we did have Chris turning up to his date as some kind of fucking <laughs> like making them sound like he was some kind of rebel or like deviant when literally Chris turned up in the most unshocking ensemble, which was a plain black t-shirt, faded jeans, 
But the small silver hoop in his left ear that Liz hadn't noticed before must be what really threw her. <laughs> because what? who even has a pierced ear as a guy in Sweet Valley? That is absolutely not on. Who is this guy? My God. <laughs> I cannot believe that the outfit where she's like, oh, I would never wear this is literally just faded jeans and a t-shirt. It's that is what everyone I knew wore. Like, that is what everybody wore like in the 90s and now. Like, it is not <laughs> unusual as outfits go. My God. Um, other than that, we did have Jessica looking prettier than usual in a green print sundress which does oh. sound quite nice uh, and then Liz uh, when she's getting ready for her date with Todd that he then stood her up for uh, oh. was dressed in a sea green dress her hair pulled back with matching ribbons so that's quite the um, sounds I mean, like it sounds like something you dress it. I was going to say it's very like you're 12 you're getting dressed up yeah. <laughs> it's very confirmation ribbons matching your dress kind of thing but look it's Elizabeth so I guess yeah. we shouldn't be too surprised <laughs> Well, I actually, my my confirmation dress, when I made my confirmation, which is the thing Catholic children do when they're about 12, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, my dress was a drop waist sea green dress. And I not only had ribbons in the same color, but I used them as, I, as laces in my white leather shoes. Oh, wow. Now, I, those are the kind of finishing touches that really, yeah, elevate the outfit. Yeah. And I had sea green floral scrunched ankle socks as well. Oh, delightful. It was 1988. It was a different yeah. time. <laughs> I was still very, <laughs> I was very proud of my colour coordination. Those ribbon, oh, yeah. ribbon shoelaces, I thought I was like some sort of fashion disruptor. I was like, I'm taking oh. out those boring old laces. I put it in ribbons. A genius move. Yes. Uh. Dublin wasn't ready. <laughs> oh, I, I think I was, maybe I'll bring that look back. Uh, so, <laughs> it's time. Those are, those are some pretty good outfits, I think. More than we've had in a while. That's true, yeah. And uh, yeah, listeners, let us know what uh, what you thought of those. I mean, we know we have a lot of listeners who were around in the days of the uh, aqua blue uh, roughly <laughs> dresses. So, did you ever use laces as ribbons? It's uh, or ribbons <laughs> as laces, I should say. Oh, oh. Did or switch it up, yeah. Fluorescent oh. laces in your hair. Who knows? <laughs> oh well, I bet somebody did. Uh, well, listeners, we do always love hearing from you. Uh, we had a lot of uh, feedback about Stephen's bride. My <laughs> mind was blown by one thing that we heard <laughs> from. Oh, I'm going to scroll down to it to uh, to the podcast at Dawn's house. I don't know if it was Esther who sent it, but said blood tests before getting married are to check for syphilis. (laughs) And she says, I've astonished these books admitted such a thing exists, even indirectly. Oh, don't point out, particularly important to Sweet Valley really is a land without barrier methods. Very true. <laughs> we were shocked enough by the mention of sex, let alone oh. syphilis. My God, we weren't oh, ready no. for that. <laughs> Jesus, you know, well, you don't have that over here. We could be riddled with it for all the powers that be now. Oh, just syphilitic cousins marrying each other. <laughs> Poxed all the way through. God. Disaster. Well, yeah, they don't care if you've got the pox or the clap when you get married. There are no STD tests basically before you get married, which, you know, there should be, oh, listeners. Okay, yeah. uh, so I think that was one of my favorite things that we heard. I was like, what the fuck? It was quite the bombshell, yes. 
really, really, really was. Um, oh, God. So, uh, yeah, there was um, Liz Levengrave did say, I was thinking, did they use an actual department store mannequin as the model for Stephen? (laughs) (laughs) Fair. I mean, he's got that look, you know, (laughs) it's very true. Um, We also had uh, Shannon Schultz very rightly pointed out. uh, How come nobody mentioned the fact that Maria Santelli also had a secret engagement? She should be trying to talk Cara out of that shit. She's been there and done that. Uh, And then also pointed out that at at least um, (laughs) Maria and Michael got a special song from the droids out of their engagement, lest we forget. Hold on tight to your love, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Never forget that. (laughs) I was blessed by Dana Larson herself. (laughs) Oh my God, the greatest of all honours. Well, uh, yeah, there was a lot of um, people were were shocked at discussion of sex and contraception (laughs) in Sweet Valley. Uh, Livy Hawker also said, um, Stephen's Bride marks the series' hard left turn into crazy town. From here on out, it's all vampire boyfriends and murderous doppelgangers. (laughs) Raise hands emojis. And I share those. I'm raising my hands right now. Honestly, we are just as excited as you guys to get to all that nonsense. (laughs) Oh, and then, oh my God, an amazing series of uh, of of tweets started by uh, Hello Al, or is it Hello Ali? Let us know how you pronounce your name on Instagram. He said, why did my brain shit out the title? Where there's a Wilkins, there's a way for the Todd saga we're all about to write. Oh my God, so good. <laughs> and then the replies just get better and better. Oh, Jesus. Yes. Uh, uh, Ruth K83 suggested if we're going for puns, can we have a chapter called My Heart Wilkins Go On set on the Titanic? <laughs> <laughs> and hello, I'm right. I think we must, in keeping with the SVH's gang ancestors being involved with every historical instant. Maybe he's a down in his luck dreamer who wins a ticket only to meet a beautiful blonde girl whose life he changes. And Ruth K83 says, yes, this is totally how it happens. So at the end, they're both kicked off the floating door by a flat-faced phone. I mean, that is all so much better than anything we could have come up with. So well done, you guys. Especially reply to that. Yes, Hiram Wazo out here like, you'll never let go. Yes, you will. Boot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I'm carrying this orphan right now as a disguise. Fuck this chick. Where's my diamond? Hiram was out. Lila did say she can't do anything without a diamond on her finger. She has established her priorities and diamonds are up there. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Uh, Maria Teresa Biblioteca made a really good continuity point because she said, have we discussed why the twins don't meet up with Cara when they go to London in the early 100s post Margot era, which is genuinely not that long after this, you know. Mm. Uh, we're up to the mid-80s now. Uh, mid-80s in book numbers, not uh, years. <laughs> up to the early 90s in years. And uh, she says, I'm thinking about those werewolf books with the twins of some implausible internship as a, as a London newspaper. Uh, anyway, who cares about continuity? Uh, yeah, those werewolf books, fucking hell. I think they were the first, even more than Margot, because they're the first ones where it looks like it's actually going to be supernatural. Spoiler alert, there is a non-supernatural explanation, but it is still... So batshit, that, <laughs> and the depiction of London is frankly unhinged. Oh my god, I can't fucking wait. <laughs> oh well, uh, we um, we actually got some praise for the ghostwriters on Instagram from Carol V. Uh, 014. 
Um, she says, uh, like like us, she's reeling from the, the mentions of sex and birth control. But she says, <laughs> the ghostwriter did a really good job of balancing the ridiculous, Elizabeth's special brand of crazy when it comes to Todd, with some actual good writing about the pressures of marriage at such a young age. And uh, she also says, this is the Jessica I love. I like it when she's fun and not, you know, trying to bully someone into starving or killing themselves. All when, all's well that ends well. <laughs> it's true. That is the Jessica we love. And like, we got so much of it in this book. So it was just uh, like when she's in on like a top form like that, it is just so delightful to read about. Like she can be such a great character. So it's nice when they let, let her kind of be fun like that. True. Um, and she definitely was in this week's book. Mm. Um, by the way, Ruth K83 also said, and I was a Wakefield and all, but seriously, how on earth did Stephen get into the university special programme? He's never bloody there! <laughs> Very good point. <laughs> oh, listeners, we, seriously, we've so many, uh, we got so many funny comments. Um, you should just head to our Instagram to read them for yourselves because we can't read every single one out, but we absolutely love hearing from all of you um and uh you know where how to get in touch with us we are on twitter at svhpodcast.com yeah you can send us an email at svhpodcast at gmail.com and we got a fucking amazing email uh from beck wolfers in fortitude valley australia and like, I mean, it was a great email to begin with. Uh, also, Whoa. actually, Beck pointed out that she actually first started reading Sweet Valley in the uh, the Love and Death in London miniseries, were like <gasps> her first ones. Yeah, uh, but she was, is... she was in. I mean, that's quite the intro, isn't it, to the world of Sweet Valley? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> she ended up like working backwards through the ste- through the series and uh, reading all of them and all the spin offs, uh, and is also looking forward to us getting into the post one hundred books uh, as we are too. Oh my god! Oh. So she's very excited about that. But uh, points out the story lines seem to become increasingly bizarre but then again looking back were they ever that plausible to begin with (laughs) very 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 good point i mean i I guess it just says something about the the base level of uh madness that we're coming from (laughs) oh listeners uh well we will um we will have to say that the 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 other element of that of that email was a musical masterpiece. Oh my god! How would I you mean, describe it, Karen? I, I, I don't know that I can. I think, I think we're just going to have to play it because Beck like <laughs> pointed out that when she first read "Alone in the Crowd," she also made up a tune to Lynn <gasps> Henry's classic "On the Outside Looking oh, In." She did. And Beck very kindly sent us a recording of her version of On the Outside Looking In. And I swear, like, it was another one of those, like, all caps text exchanges between me and Anna because we were (laughs) so excited about this and we fucking loved it. So, Beck, thank you so much for giving us that. It is truly a gift. And I think when we, like, wrap up here, we're going to have it play you guys out because it's... You know, it's the moment that this deserves, I think. It really <laughs> does. So um, thank you. Thank you so much, Beck. Thank you to everybody for listening. We will see the Pi Beta gang in the clubhouse next week for the second episode of season two of the Sweet Valley High TV series. We're still trying to come to terms with... Uh, the, the new Bruce, or as one Pi Beta member <laughs> amazingly described him, to Bruce too. <laughs> 
<laughs> I still haven't recovered from that. I think that was Maisie DeVell and I'm oh. in awe of that comedy genius. Holy shit. <laughs> Magnificent. Now, even with the fake fruits, we very much enjoyed um, the, uh, the, the first episode of season two. And if you would like to hear what we think about it, you can join us in the clubhouse by signing up to Headstuff Plus. Yeah, if you head over to headstuffpodcast.com, you can sign up uh, to subscribe to Pi Beta uh, for as little as five euros a month. And uh, when you do that, you can decide to either just support us or you can spread your money across three different shows on the network. And uh, yeah, like it's a great old time. You get access to all our bonus stuff. So there's a whole backlog now of Pi Beta madness to get stuck into with our whole first season in there. And uh like it's just such great crack we just we we're recommending ourselves but you know what it's great fun and we really think if you enjoy this you'll really enjoy our take on uh, on the tv show as well yes it's uh, we're we're having a, a a great laugh so yeah if you want to join us there you know what to do it's it's cheap it's fun you get our whole backlog and it's at headstuffpodcasts.com uh so pi beta sisters we will see you in the clubhouse in one week and everybody else, we will see everyone in the main feed in two weeks when we find out what happens when Elizabeth is dragged along <laughs> by Jessica's obsessive desire to be a soap star. Oh my God, it's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> see you then, everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye. Day after day, I'm feeling kind of lonely. Day after day, it's him and him only. Something in his eyes makes my hopes start to rise. But he's part of a world that doesn't include me. Nothing he says could ever delude me. I'll never win. This is how it's always been. I'm on the outside looking in. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Experience the difference at Woodhouse Buick GMC. From the GMC Acadia to the Buick Encore, we're sure to have a vehicle that fits your lifestyle. Our climate-controlled showroom guarantees a comfortable shopping experience every time you visit. Plus, our commitment to our customers continues well beyond the date of purchase. You will leave our lot feeling comfortable and confident in your new vehicle. Start your car buying journey today, in-store or online at woodhousebuickgmc.com. We are professional grade.